right because we never close I'm open ladies and gentlemen in 2020 coronavirus was the great equalizer as now the Molly please awards are just as prestigious as any other award show because just like the Grammys and the Emmys and Oscars and who knows what else we're just staying at home and sitting in front of our screens and recording ourselves making judgments it's the Mildly Pleased Awards with Sean Lemmy, John Otney, and Colin Westman. And guys, what a year that 2020 was, huh? What a what a year. <laughs> it was a year. And it happened. Oh, man. I bet it's uh, depressing to go back and listen to previous years, Mildly Pleased Awards, because at the end of them, we were always like, oof, what a rough year. It sucked so bad. It's <laughs> like it couldn't get any worse. So, like, here's to next year. <laughs> I remember we, we even did that one podcast that was like top 10 things that sucked about, I don't know, like 2013. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> we fucking complain about 2013 for us. Perfectly fine year. Was it really 2013? Yeah, I don't. I don't know what our reasoning was for I'm it. I'm going through the the backlogs right now because I wanted to know how many times we've done the mildly pleased awards. I think this is the ninth time we've done the mildly pleased awards. Yeah, this is the ninth one. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty amazing. God, I got yeah. Top ten <laughs> uh, reasons 2013 sucked. I mean, you got to know we were right. 2013 probably can, did suck. Looking, without just, looking it up, can you think of one thing about 2013 that just made it suck so much? Uh, I feel like that was the year Miley Cyrus did her weird dance on Robin Thicke. <laughs> There's a list! There's a list! Do you guys want to know the top 10 things that sucked about 2013? I want to say that was the year of the government shutdown. The first one. The first time, the I was like, well, because this is back when we'd like do it, and then we'd make a top ten at the end. So this is our top ten yeah, yeah, worst yeah. things about 2013. <laughs> <laughs> and they're pretty, like compared to what's happened this year, you're gonna get kicked out of this. Uh, number ten is what does the fox say? <laughs> you guys remember that viral song? Oh, God, barely. <laughs> well, that was one of the worst things that year. It sounds awful. Uh, Man of Steel disappoints. Slash Ben Affleck's Batman. Like, he hasn't played him yet. We just know he's gonna be Batman. (laughs) (sighs) This this is mostly pop culture oriented, but there are some some, uh, life events, so I'll keep going. Um, Family Guy kills Brian. Oh, God. That was so lame. Oh, my God. Uh... (laughs) Seven is just the song Radioactive by Imagine Dragons. <laughs> okay, that is almost as bad as coronavirus. It's had a long-lasting impact that we may never recover from. Yeah. Uh, six is that the Mariners sucked that year. Oh, that's every year. I, I got yeah. news for you, 2013 Welcome. mildly pleased guys. They always suck. Welcome to Earth. Five, Black Friday started on Thanksgiving. That was particularly annoying that year where it's like you know what let's start shopping at 6 p.m on thanksgiving <laughs> oh, that wasn't very that wasn't very nice four was yeah. healthcare broken that's a bad <laughs> one um, oh that must have been the year healthcare.gov launched mm-hmm. and uh 
and it launched real bad. Maybe. Number two is Edward Snowden showed us the truth about the NSA. (laughs) Yeah. That was really depressing back then. It was. Yeah. Now everyone's like, oh, whatever. Privacy's dead. Number one is one of the only ones... I feel like that is actually like yeah, this is pretty bad. It was the George Zimmerman incident. Mm. Well, there you go. But like most We've of come these, so far, most of these wouldn't even crack like the top like thirty if we did. <laughs> yeah, something uh, Travis McElroy said that really stuck with me was that like you could take any random week from twenty twenty and put it in a year like 2013 and it would be automatically be the worst week of that year it's probably true i mean i'm I'm trying to think like of the pre-pandemic two and a half months but even then is like trump was getting impeached and didn't get convicted and and i don't know there's probably some global warming stuff going on too the australian bushfires that's right I mean, the pandemic was happening. It just wasn't yeah. openly happening in the United States at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool one. So, I don't know. Suffice it to say, we're not doing um, mildly pleasing events this year. Because uh, uh, I'm sure there were some mildly pleasing news stories from this year, but they were just hard to come by in the face of all the all the yeah. bad stuff it's just noise yeah. well anyway this is our annual uh nearly decade old uh award show where we award the middle of the pack which never gets celebrated by anyone else anyone focuses on the best and then the razzies is there for the worst and we're there for the little guys. Yeah, you know, you, you did a good job. wasn't like the best thing ever, but you did it, man. It was good. Good job. I don't want my time back. You can, you can keep it, but I wish you were better. <laughs> but you're not going to get any more of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, not everything's perfect. That's life. Uh, as is tradition, we will start with the most boring category, which was the most mildly pleasing video game of 2020. And I tried to throw a curveball to get you guys real excited this year by nominating in the, in the first slot, Destiny 2 Beyond Light. What? Destiny 2? It's like always on my top 10 games of the year. How could, how could I put it on, up for a mildly pleasing award? Taking the words out of my mouth. It's your favorite thing of all time, Sean. Pretty much my favorite thing of all time. So in 2019, Bungie went independent and started developing Destiny 2 by themselves without um, Activision's oversight. And that meant that they were producing ultimately less content for the game because they just don't have as many uh, resources available to them anymore. And that's fine. But they've also changed their business model to make it a game that is free to start playing. Um, And then uh, there's like a season pass and expansions you can buy to keep adding on to your experience. Uh, In effect, what they've done is gone from making the game something I could check in at like three or four times during the year to something where they want me playing it basically every week. And 
their output I don't think has matched that ambition. Like there always is something for me to do, but a lot of the time it's, you know, do a thing I've already done a thousand times, but get a new reward from doing it. And uh, it's just kind of exhausting. I took a I took like a break in 2019 and that recharged my batteries. But then in 2020 where I'm like stuck at home and there's just nothing going on. I I, I have probably played Destiny 2 like every week on like of that of last year. Uh, and I just don't think there's been enough new stuff to keep the game interesting and exciting. And I'm a bit worried that they aren't going to introduce that anytime soon. So I'm putting it on notice. Who knows? Might still make it my top 10 list of the year. Uh, another game <laughs> that I wanted to nominate is Godfall. Because I really wanted to like this game. Uh, it was uh, one of the few console exclusive games on uh, the PlayStation 5. Uh, which, I mean, is something. Because the Xbox Series X has zero exclusive games um, at launch. It's an action sort of RPG game. Uh, it definitely feels like a uh, Diablo or Monster Hunter type experience, uh, but it just doesn't feel very good to play. And uh, as as much as I want to support, I think they, they the developers made some really good choices when it comes to like gear and leveling up uh, and and some of the user experience aspects of the game. But the actual gameplay itself isn't particularly fun. And while it is graphically stunning, which is what you want from a console launch title, uh, it also just feels like it's very like barren and sterile and like weirdly shiny. Uh, I should say it's like a game set in a like weird sort of apocalypse world where you're fighting these somewhat armored demon dudes and you're like going through these different suits of armor which are like your different character classes and you can collect weapons and use two weapons at a time i think it seems neat but it's really just bland and uh, and that was a shame but uh i feel like every every console launch has that one game where you just take a risk on it because you need to have something to to check out and uh you don't need to have anything well, I mean, you don't need to have a new console at launch either, too. I mean, it's it's a privileged position to be in. Uh, but yeah, Godfall, for me, was a, uh, a disappointment. Another nominee I have is Good Sudoku. Uh, I did feel like I was a little bit ahead of the curb on the YouTube channel Cracking the Cryptic, which is a pair of uh, British gentlemen... Uh, Two or three times a day, they put a video of them solving extremely complicated Sudoku puzzles. It didn't start out that way. It started to just be Sudoku, but they've transitioned into these uh, custom boards with all sorts of weird rules. A lot of the time, it starts with literally zero numbers on the board, uh, which is just madness. Uh, But watching those videos um, as quarantine got started inspired me. Uh, to play Sudoku again, which is just a, it's a simple game that I like. If you've never played it before, it's just uh, putting the numbers one through nine in rows and columns and boxes. Uh, it's 
it sounds like math, but it's really just a puzzle. And um, and so I was playing that on the Cracking the Cryptic website, which is kind of disappointing, but there really wasn't a great Sudoku app that people were recommending until Good Sudoku came out, which is a uh, app from the guys who made like really bad chess and a few other fun uh, mobile games. They uh, made a, a fun and stylish Sudoku game that is designed to help teach you how to play the game better, uh, teach you the techniques you need to succeed, as well as it gives you like leaderboards and daily challenges to keep it interesting. So that, I had a lot of fun with that That's one. That's the one that I played. Hey. Way back All in... Right. I don't know. I heard about it on, you know, uh, Griffin McElroy and Justin. They have that game podcast, The Besties. That's right. Oh. About and I got real interested in Zach Gage, the creator. And that's why I also was playing really bad chess, uh, particularly around the time of um, Queen's Gambit. Ah, I like this game quite a bit. It's like, what more could you want? It's Sudoku. This is what it is, but better. Because you got the note. Mm -hmm. You can take notes and learn about the game. Literally, my only complaint is that um, there's no progress syncing. So if I play it on my phone, I don't get credit for having done the daily puzzles on my iPad. Which is a real first world problem, but... I, I wish that existed because my streaks get jacked up because I forget to play it all on one device. Uh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, the My fourth nominee is Marvel's The Avengers. Uh, I've talked about this on the pick. It is a very Destiny-inspired uh, multiplayer action game that is disappointing but it is also a very fun single-player action game for the first, I don't know, eight or ten hours that you play it, uh, which redeems it and makes it something that you, or at least I, really wish could uh, could succeed somehow. They, uh, in December, put out Kate Bishop DLC, uh, and by all accounts, she's been a fun addition to the, uh, to the game. Uh, then I know Ch- T'Challa's coming at some point. I think they delayed him out of respect for uh, Chadwick Boseman, um, which is just one more shitty thing that happened in 2020, but also, unfortunately, like one more uh, event that seems to be conspiring against this game being successful. Uh, maybe they'll turn around in 2021. I, it'd, be, it'd be nice, uh, but... Uh, I think it will be remembered as the buggy mess that most people didn't play, unfortunately. Oh, I'm surprised then, that um, mm. Cyberpunk didn't make this list. I haven't touched it. You haven't touched it. I uh, When I heard it was as bad as it was, even though I bought it, I decided I would just wait for a patch, which now I'm thinking I probably shouldn't have done because uh, they put out a very vague timeline of updates that uh, really make it seem like it's not going to be where I want it to be until the end of 2021, maybe even 2022. So maybe I should have just gone for it. You've played it, right, John? Yeah, I like it okay. Um, there's just nothing to do. <laughs> I just wow. feel like, I just, it just like I think of Grand Theft Auto, there's so much shit to do to kill time, and I just don't feel that when I play Cyberpunk. 
Like, there's buildings you can go into and do nothing in them. I'm sure there's stuff later in the game. But I'm just like, okay, come back here at 6 p.m. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll go stab someone in the head and wait for the cyber police to come after me. <laughs> like, the aesthetics are cool. I didn't run into that many glitches. The only glitches I'd ever run into were, like, where it takes, like, a minute for, like, all the people to generate in a room. Like, they're not all there, physically there, and then they appear. I never got, like, any game-breaking glitches. I liked it fine. I just wish it wasn't first person, honestly. It feels weird to be an open world game like that first person. I don't know why it bothers me. Yeah. It's it's surprising since they made all three Witcher games third person action games that they didn't stick with that for Cyberpunk. It just when I play it I'm just like, I should be playing Grand Theft Auto right now. <laughs> Where's the Grand Theft Auto in space? We've been waiting for it since two thousand four. Yeah, on the moon. Or some sort of total recall thing, like uh, you know. I thought I'd get your ass to Mars. That's the name of the game. No, I want you're on a space station orbiting a solar system, so there's like eight playable planets plus a space station city. So can you steal someone's spaceship? Like, like let's say the Jetsons car ship is flying around. Can you like hijack it in space? Like you're on a space jetpack and you go up and you pull George Jetson out of his Jetsons car, then hop in. Hell yes, wouldn't that be awesome? You get to watch him like freeze or blow up or whatever happens to you yeah. in space. Why not both? <laughs> he freezes and explodes. Poor George. That's what I call some George Jetson meat. You know, because it's like meat George Jetson. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I'm 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 into it. This is a good transition My... for a fantasy star. This is a spaceship. Yeah. My final nominee is Fantasy Star Online 2, which uh, finally came out in the United States in 2020. Do any of you know when Fantasy Star Online 2 came out in Japan? Uh, long time ago. 2011. John was very close. 2012, the year uh, that Fantasy Star Online 2 originally came out. So that was fully two console generations ago. And it kind of shows. It honestly has aged very well. Uh, I had a lot of fun playing Fancy Star Online 2 for about two months. And I couldn't convince anyone else to play. And I was kind of fine with that too. Because the Fancy Star games have always been pretty friendly to just play solo. Uh, But things took a turn for the weird (laughs) when it was announced that it's getting a sort of expansion sequel thing so at uh at the digital e3 that happened this year um there was a new fancy star expansion i don't even know there's no right word for it they're they're putting out a new fancy star game uh that supposedly you can take your character into but it's also like a new experience it made the whole Fantasy Star Online 2 thing seem weird and unnecessary right now. So I decided I'll just put it back on the shelf and come back when that thing comes out. Um, so, my apologies to Fantasy Star Online 2. You are way too late to the party. Uh, so after much deliberation, I think I've made my decision. Although, based on what I've said, do you guys have any inclination for where this award's going? <laughs> Uh, Destiny? 
I would have guessed the Avengers. And you would be right. I'm going to give the uh, 2020 Mildly Pleased Award uh, for video games to Marvel's The Avengers. I think you did a good job. I'm giving you one hearty thumbs up. But, uh, boy, I wish you didn't launch as a buggy mess and uh, find yourself doomed to probably just slowly die. Well, speaking of the Avengers, our uh, our next category, now that we've gotten the most boring category out of the way, we've got the most confusing category to go through, uh, and that's our top viral video of the year. And I want to start talking about this category with the, um, the super embarrassing politicians as Avengers uh, thing. Yeah. So, it's... someone... Yeah, I mean, I, I, f- I found it on this guy's Twitter, at John H. I almost Uh, feel like I could listen to a play-by-play of this. It's so stupid. Every moment of it is so stupid. (laughs) But, like, didn't it kind of make you emotional the first time you saw it? I mean, it did, and that's what... It almost makes me feel stupid for, like, (laughs) the fact (laughs) that... It makes me feel stupid, too! That it filled me with hope and made me feel like, yeah, it happened. Trump's out of office. But at the same time, it's like, that doesn't make it acceptable to make a video that's this stupid. <laughs> and even when I watch it now, like, I'm just like, oh, this is, this is embarrassing. But at the same time, like, it gives me a glimmer of, like, that feeling I had on November 7th. When I was just like, yeah, who, who cares? It's all good now, man. <laughs> we did it. Uh, but yeah. So yeah, it's it's the scene from Avengers Endgame when Cap stands up to Thanos, uh, and then he finds out that the uh, the good snap has worked and all the heroes are back alive, and Doctor Strange starts warping them all in. But they all have uh, politicians' heads plastered on them, like T'Challa is Barack Obama, uh, Captain Marvel is AOC. Uh, it's. Uh, it's very weird. I think it transitions into the uh, most surreal when, <laughs> at the very end, uh, Ant Man shows up. Uh, <laughs> it's John Lewis. It's it's John Lewis, and he has in his hands a collection of uh, dead people. Uh, you have Ruth Bader Ginsburg and John McCain, and then. Most bizarrely, Sean Connery, <laughs> which I guess is just because he's the celebrity who had died most recently yeah. when this was made. Because uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't think being anti-Trump particularly fits with Sean Connery's politics. Also not American. Um, yeah, he's not even didn't American. Didn't even care about this. Yeah, election. also, why is Elon Musk on there? <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's our Iron Man. I don't really know where he stands politically, but I feel like not in a good place. It's just libertarian, probably. Yeah. He probably has his own political party. Anyway, it was definitely a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is uh, this lockdown news special about Tom Cruise going to see <laughs> Tenet at a movie theater. <laughs> this cracks me up so much. Why did they do a news story about Tom Cruise going to see a movie? Why is that interesting? 
I mean, is it like? Oh, is it like it's okay to go back to? We can still live our lives. See, look, Tom Cruise, he's living his life like an everyday person. He's but he's doing it safe. I, I think that's it. exactly it. I think uh, he is very invested in saving the <laughs> cinema business, as we know, because that his rant of his out, came yeah. out. Uh, <laughs> um, and so I think he was trying to uh, to do his best to to keep cinemas open by. I, I'm sure he he produced this. He made this happen. He recorded his experience going to see Tenant and. Uh, and weirdly documented just the, that day, and he's so excited sitting in this car, having a good time, you know, looking at the But crowds, then it's just like the movie's over, he's like, yeah, movie on the big screen. It's like, what'd you think? Loved it. And that's it. It just walks away. <laughs> yeah. It's like, did you, though? Did you love it? I like that his mask looks like a prop from a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah, it does. Uh, it might have been actually since they were trying to film that this year yeah is that what he was on set yelling at people i think so. was that yeah. a Mission impossible set yeah yeah because yeah. he's doing two of those and then he's going to space <laughs> yeah and then uh, uh yeah tom cruise is a weirdo it's 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 kind of fun to get a window into his weird life although uh obviously he's only willing to show us so much uh another person whose life we got a window into is this guy (laughs) who decided to chop down a tree um (laughs) do you think he was chopping it down outside of his house or was he hired to do this for someone else well sorry if this guy's a if this guy's a professional, that's really, really disappointing. Uh, so, uh, again, it's hard to... So this one doesn't have a title because I just found it on Twitter. And what this video is, is a video of a uh, suburban setting. Uh, someone has chopped down a very, very tall tree that falls directly on the house. You can see the like whole roof sag when it makes contact so it did it hits for uh maximum damage uh but what makes the video fun is this guy is swearing a whole lot while this is happening which is uh it's very relatable it's uh it's just one of those videos you can put on when you're feeling angry and you can you can feel his anger too and it's kind (laughs) of soothing feel this connection across time and space screaming really loud which kind of makes me think it might be his house because it means he has more invested in the damage he's doing i think that's the best narrative this is a cocky man who's like i can chop down a tree what you need an axe right i can chop down a tree yeah Uh, and he made his whole situation a lot maybe he was even like planning on selling it soon and that's like part of the reason he cut down the tree and now he knows he's not going to get as much for the house <laughs> he's gonna have to invest in repairs on it. It's just like, ugh, what yeah, a, what a whole Which, situation. Yeah, I bet that's a big job. Um, yeah, there's not much. I mean, he's just yelling, "What the it's fuck?" Like it's a not like a video. Not like a whole production. Unlike uh, the next nominee, which is uh, John Early's friend Nicole Spezio. 
conducting the score to Housewives. So they've green screened this woman in front of a uh, clip from one of the Housewives shows. I, I don't know which one. Uh, and she's pretending to be a conductor conducting the score. And it does, I think, highlight how uh, ridiculous uh, these shows are and, and how manipulative the music is. Uh, but also, she's just a funny uh, actor to watch. She's, she's doing a good job. It's great physical comedy. And yeah, I think it does a great job of pointing out um, the fact that these shows probably aren't really all that interesting. So they have to overcompensate with the soundtracks, and, the, and you can really mm-hmm. notice, like, wow, yeah, because it makes it seem way more intense with, <laughs> with this. So I appreciated that. Never thought about it. It's funny. And the final uh, nominee, another thing you maybe don't think too much about, uh, is the Spirit Halloween theme song. So this was uh, Nick Lutzko. Uh, who did that great RNC theme song. Uh, and he's back here doing a Spirit Halloween theme song uh, about, well, it's the Spirit Halloween, the, the, the weird seasonal Halloween costume store. Yeah. I find, I find skeletons very funny, and there's a lot of skeleton humor <laughs> in this video. Yeah. They got skeletons. He's ta- he thinks he's talking to a girl on the phone. It's a skeleton. It's a skeleton. I love stuff like that. Uh, but my favorite part of the entire video is when they have that weird, like, I don't even know what that decoration is, that, like, weird bald guy decoration, <laughs> and it, like, morphs into Jeff Bezos. Because <laughs> he's closing down all the Barnes and Nobles and Sears and turning them into, or now they're, you know, because they're, they're empty and now they become Spirit Halloweens. There was a sequel also to this. <laughs> Wow! Really? Where he's just like hanging out at his house, throwing a party with all of the like prosthetic uh, <laughs> <laughs> Halloween decorations. It's it's pretty fun. I, I got pretty into this guy's videos. I also really like what he did about how there will never be a Gremlins three, which is always a fun topic. Oh oh oh! Okay, Con. Why? So why will there never be a Gremlins three? I don't. I mean, he's more just like singing about how he's he's just coming to the realization that's never going to happen because we live in it's a happening world. Chris Columbus has a script. All right, we'll he's see. like he's like fuck Joe Dante. We're doing my. It's going to be dark. We're going back more to the first one. Fuck the second one. It seems like him and Joe Dante have different visions of what Grumblins should be. All right. Oh, I believe Joe Dante actually like retweeted the Gremlins three song, and he was like, wow. he was just like, "Good song." I love that. That's hilarious. Yeah. I'm sure Chris Columbus did not enjoy the video. <laughs> so, John, in the world of long rumored sequels, do you think Gremlins three is more or less likely than uh, Beetlejuice two? I de- oh god you know i was so confident there for a minute to say gremlins 3 is way more likely but i know i still have to say gremlins 3 because like does does beetlejuice need tim burton to sign off or can he just like give it to a super fan like uh who did the who wrote the peewee movie paul rust or whatever his name is like he, maybe he'll do beetlejuice or something he'll direct it i don't know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh Oh, that's a great question. 
That's a really interesting question. I still think Gremlins, Gremlins uh, is more likely because I just feel like Chris Columbus gets stuff made. It's not. I mean, he made like Christmas Chronicles too, so obviously he's not making the best stuff. But then again, yeah. he's got a lot of projects in the works. He's also supposed to be making the Five Nights at Freddy's movie, and that hasn't come out yet either. I think Gremlins has the advantage in that it doesn't need a specific person to be involved. Like, yes, you you want Dante, you want Chris Columbus, but you don't necessarily need them. With Beetlejuice, you need Michael Keaton to be on board. You can't recast that part. But like, it definitely gives it a big boost that Michael Keaton and Winona Ryder are both like back in the spotlight they're both like celebrities that the people know and love you know like tweens know who they are yeah i mean alec baldwin too yeah for sure i'm clicking on gremlins uh, 3 i'm googling gremlins 3 and seeing the last time there was a, uh, a noteworthy article about it uh last november chris columbus says uh the creatures won't be cgi he's pretty confident about this movie getting made <laughs> Uh, let's talk about some. I was gonna say some other. We have to pick a winner. Oh shit! We have to pick a oh, winner. Yeah. When I was all five, we got to pick a winner. Uh, I think the Avengers thing. It's just it's, it's, it makes you feel so. <laughs> we're, just, we're just going for an Avengers sweep this year. <laughs> <laughs> Despite the fact that an Avengers movie did not come out this year. I mean, how 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 much how many feels slash embarrassment do you get when War Machine is revealed to be Greta Thunberg? <laughs> <laughs> Just you know, all of them. Yeah, exactly. Ugh, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll give it to it. Congratulations to uh, uh. What was his name again? John something? John Piette. John Piet? I don't know. Sorry. Alright, TV shows. We all spent a lot of time watching TV, right? Yeah. Sure. Mostly older shows for me. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, do you guys feel like there's not going to be much TV this year? <laughs> I, I do feel like that. I mean, there's a lot of crappy Netflix stuff to watch. Um, is that... Yeah, there's a Netflix movie every week. Has anyone checked out that Nicholas... What's the word on that Nicholas Cage swearing show? Hmm. I think people like it. Okay. Well, there's something. But yeah, I, what, what is a... there to look forward to this year in terms of TV? I think they actually somehow squeezed in yet another What We Do in the Shadows season, right? Did I hear that correctly? That we're getting another one of those this year? That would be amazing if that's true. Yeah, that'd be cool. I heard Better Call Saul wants to do its last season this year. That's, I'm so confused. We'll I, 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 I kind of just kind of skimmed everyone's list, so sorry, because I know it was on your list. But, like, that's not over? I thought it was over. Is it close to being over? Well, yeah. it's it, This next season will be the last okay. one. So there's still time to catch up. It probably feels like it was over because there was a more than a year gap between uh, two seasons ago and last season. Yeah. So it was 
gone from the airwaves for a while. You know what's the ultimate show that I, I never know if it's over is Supernatural. Is that over? Oh, it's, it's probably still going. It's been Don't on since like think. 2005. I don't really know what that is. Like, but yeah, um, when I think of that let me see name, if I can try to. Th- so what is okay? So it's like two brothers, right? Maybe dead dad, who's Jeffrey Dean Morgan. <laughs> I don't know if the dad's dead, but it's Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and they are. It's like X Files on the CW for like tweens. They like solve like okay. mysteries, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I don't you, think they have powers. When you said that name, I thought, okay, that feels like a show from the two thousands. <laughs> it couldn't possibly still be on, but. uh if you say it is, it, that's uh, well, I have the answer. It's quite a thing. Okay. So Supernatural yes. premiered in 2005. <laughs> there have been 15 seasons. Wow. 327 episodes. Wow. And that is the total run. The show ended in November of 2020. Wow, so it did. It ended this year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Solid 15 seasons. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I did try to watch that show once and was like, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> it wasn't for me. Unlike The go. Boys, which is for everybody, it was on Barack Obama's list of the best shows of the year. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why, though. That was weird. That was more of like, I'm trying to appeal to the common man. I don't believe that. <laughs> now. Sean, did you watch all the boys? I have all I, sixteen I episodes. I didn't finish it, and I don't know why. Why didn't I finish it? Tell me why I didn't finish uh, it, Sean. It's mean and sad. It's the antithesis of what superhero content should be. Okay, yeah, I could buy that. Um, yeah, I guess that's not really the kind of show we need this year. Uh, is a. Uh, like I mean, Homelander is a pretty despicable character. Yeah, I would argue it's not the kind of show we ever need. <laughs> I have very little interest in the concept of uh, like, oh, what if superheroes were all sociopaths and they were assholes and they did bad things, and like capitalism, like let it happen, like whoa. <laughs> um, that said, it's um. It's definitely a well-acted show. Uh, I mean, from the top to the bottom, everything's good. I, I would say, I would argue it is uh, a good-looking production. It's shot well, cool effects. Uh, uh, even the writing is good, certainly compared to the comic, which I could only read a very little bit of before I was like, this is the most Ed Lord bullshit I've ever looked at. <laughs> Seems uh, like it. Edgelords must be thriving this year, right? <laughs> no, they're not because a lot of their movies got pushed back. Pushed back. Edgelords are never happy. Yeah, that's what makes them so edgy. <laughs> you know, I just figured out why I didn't finish this show. You know what I did right before? Um, I think it was right before, around the same time when the boys uh, came back, when the boys were back in town. Is, there you, um, go. you got that. I, I finally caught up with all of Damon Lindelof's Watchmen. And I'm like, wow, ah. this is like the same idea, but like really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think that took out all the momentum of me wanting to watch the boys. Cause like, oh, I got, I know what superheroes are like in real life. I saw this other show. <laughs> yeah. They don't even have a lube man in this one. 
That's such a great scene. Colin, you should watch. I did. Did you watch it? You did. Did you like it? It was on my top ten last year. Loved it. It Here, I'm like, you should watch it. I was the last person to watch it. Why don't you watch it? (laughs) I watched it now. It was great. It and it got like a billion uh, Emmy nominations, right? That was awesome. Or was it Golden? It, was, it must have been Emmys. So hell yeah, I think it won most of those. Good show. Mm-hmm. Uh, boys, though, you know, is it so? Is it coming? Are they going for another season? Like, what's the story? Oh, they're definitely going for another season. It seems popular big, enough. Big cliffhanger at the end of the season finale. I, I guess they can't end a show that Obama likes to watch because he could like yeah. uh, he knows people he did pull some and strings. I don't necessarily want them to I uh, I had a good time tuning in once a week I'm glad more streaming services are embracing the not dump everything model you know I like it for the Mandalorian I don't need to binge anymore I'm too old <laughs> um yeah I I'll do it every now and then I kind I kind of binged Queen's Gambit. But yeah, most of the time I like to space it out a bit, so I'm I'm for that. I sh- I'll probably catch up with the boys eventually. I just haven't yet. Yeah, if you if you wait long enough, you'll see uh, Sean Ashmore, uh, the X Men's Iceman, show up as a character with fire powers. Isn't that funny? What? Oh. You know, I'll I'll always know him best for Animorphs. <laughs> <laughs> You're goddamn right. <laughs> Now let's talk about someone uh, who looks like an anamorph in the middle stage. <laughs> Larry David on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yikes. Yeah, Curb Your Enthusiasm somehow came back this year. It It's so weird to me because it feels like, wow, it came back too soon. There's usually a longer gap between seasons, even though it was like three years. But also it feels like so long ago that it came back because this show came back in January of 2020. Uh, I they got to do a pandemic season now. I mean, uh, a, a whole season of JB Smooth and Larry <laughs> David being trapped in a house together would be amazing. Even if they did nothing else, that sounds great. Well, this was the season where Larry had a his coffee shop, right? That's right. And he this even had the, uh, like the the Purell at the tables in his. Uh... <laughs> so yeah, it's not hard to imagine what he'd be like during a pandemic. So my thing with Curb is, like, I had a pretty good time watching this season, but it's, like, I almost feel like Curb is just too loose with its arcs and its plotting. It always, it's, like, it set up something pretty interesting, and then I feel like, okay, now let's just forget about it for, like, five episodes and do some other stuff. And then there was, like, the whole sexual harassment thing, and they kind of forget about that for a while. It's, I don't know. I just feel like it needs to be a little more focused sometimes. I feel like there's a lot of filler and kind of throwaway episodes. Also, he just doesn't need to do these rip from the headlines things. Like he did, he did that the sexual harassment thing this season, and I remember the season before that he did the whole uh, fatwa thing. Yeah, where it's like, hey, maybe just don't. I did think the maga thing, the maga hat thing, was pretty funny. I mean, it was just, was just like right. part of an episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't like a whole arc for the the show. Also, I really miss. Um, uh, Bob Einstein not being on the show anymore. Uh, it yeah. feels weird not having Marty Funkhauser on Curb. 
Um, but I always enjoy watching it. It's one of my like Sunday morning shows. I have breakfast while I watch Curb. <laughs> Feels right. That's cool. Yeah. I very specifically remember watching this like while I was still unpacking when I moved into my new apartment. Slash, we want a lot of this in Succession because I gotta watch. Cut the Sean, cord. Do I have to watch Succession? Succession rules. Okay. <laughs> But that was, but it was last year, right? So it was it was another this yeah. year's show. Okay. Yeah. Was it on your list last but, year, or did you or did you watch it too late? No, because I watched it in January. 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 Okay. I should watch that. But it will ruin the McDonald's ads. <laughs> because of Brian Cox being in the McDonald's ads. Yeah, because he's so scary in Succession, and then you hear him go like, ba da ba ba ba. It's so fucked I up. Get that. I'm trying to think of who's an actor who I'd just be unsettled if they started doing McDonald's. You know, I, I don't think I could do um, uh, uh, Michael Shannon in McDonald's commercials. <laughs> I don't think I could handle that. <laughs> he re- just records all his lines from a bar in Chicago. <laughs> he's scared, dude. Yeah, he's intense. Just like Fargo, that's an intense show, right? I didn't even watch this season. Totally forgot. I forgot that I nominated this. I feel bad because I stopped watching after four episodes, so I didn't. Even I don't know. Colin, did you watch this? Man. So I don't know anybody who finished this season because my parents are actually pretty big Fargo fans, but not of every season, and they didn't finish this. Season. Oh. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because I know season three was fairly divisive. I had liked it, but I get where people are coming from. I remember liking uh, it too, just not as much as the the first two seasons. So I guess I was planning on watching this, but then when it started airing, no one seemed that hot on it. So I was just saying, eh, I guess I can just not watch it. I wonder, I'm looking through the Fargo seasons and I just noticed a weird coincidence. So Kristen Stewart... And Jesse Plemons are a couple, right? That's season two. Kristen Dunst. What did I say? Kristen Stewart? Stewart? Yeah, no. Kirsten Dunst. It's not even a Kristen. I just got that one totally wrong. Uh, And then season three, though, had Ewan McGregor and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. They're a couple as well in real life. So I wonder who from season four of Fargo's getting together. I don't really know who's in it aside from Chris Rock. <laughs> yeah, Chris Jason Rock Schwartzman, is in it. Maybe Jason Schwartzman is in it. He is in the mob. Good for him. Uh, who else would you know? Jack Houston. So this one is set in the fifties in Kansas City, Missouri. So I don't fucking know. Uh, is Michael Stuhlbarg on this. <laughs> he should be. <laughs> it really seems like. He has to have been on Fargo at some point, right? I don't think so. It just—it just feels five. like such a good fit. It does. I don't know Can if you he's... imagine wearing one of those newsboy caps. I don't know if he's really a TV man, though. He's more his... yeah. well, he, well, he's on. Well, his Boardwalk Empire was like his introduction yeah, to the world. Because right. before that, he was just like, a, I'm, "I'm in plays." Yeah. Um. Uh, wow, so, no, he hasn't been. But he was in Boardwalk Empire with Jack Houston. It's all coming <laughs> together. Oh, he was on Damages once. <laughs> to, as well. Do you think Michael Stuhlbarg has played a role in every decade of the 20th century? 
by now. Probably. I guess I would just be a little more iffy about like the eighties and nineties. <laughs> <laughs> the more recent it gets, the the more exactly. questionable that he's been yeah. part of it. I'm looking up how many of uh, Michael Stewart's recent movies were uh, set in the past. Although I feel like doesn't Call Me by Your Name take place in the eighties? Yes. Okay. I think so. And if it doesn't, they've got that sequel coming. His last four movies were all in the past. <laughs> Surely the post Shape of Water and Call Me by Your Name. Okay. Yeah, there's that year where he's, he was in like every movie that was nominated for he's Best the Picture. He's the best man. He's pretty good. He should be on Fargo. I know Noah Hawley's doing an Alien show. Let's get Michael Stuhlbarg in the new Alien show. Why not? He'll only do it if it's set in the past, though. So let's set it in the nineties. Any sense? The nineties. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to be safe. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, Fargo came back and nobody cared, and that's interesting because it was so good. Uh, another thing that arrived last year was Star Trek Picard, the hotly anticipated, we're finally getting a Star Trek canonical sequel show. Um, and uh, it, it very quickly made its limitations known, which is that Patrick Stewart is 80 years old, and he's... <laughs> He's for some reason they still decided to tell a story with a lot of running and jumping and shooting, <laughs> which <laughs> it just doesn't feel right. He, uh, uh, you know, we talked about this with um, the Irishman, right? Where no matter what you do to Robert De Niro, when he's still curb stomping someone, it just looks like an old man, even even if he has a young man's face pasted on top of him. And the, that and that is true of Patrick Stewart too. And that's there's no shame in. The, I mean, he's 80 years old. He looks great. He's 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 still a fine actor. Um, he was in Blunt Talk. But he was in Blunt Talk. Remember that? <laughs> the yeah. Seth MacFarlane show. Yeah. Twenty he's episodes. Been doing, doing some shows. Um. I just don't understand. I, it's. Um, I'm sure Nancy would explain to me that it's just I have uh, incorrect expectation for, uh, for what this should be, uh, because I think about the character who is the most iconic diplomat in all of fiction to me, uh, and you're gonna make a show dedicated to him, and also he's 80 years old. I think it should be a slow talky show about working out some sort of deal. Uh, but instead, they told a story about, uh, without spoiling too much, the plot of Mass Effect 3, where uh, sentient machines from another galaxy are going to come and wipe out all all of life in the whole universe. Just all of it. Uh, and they're going to come through a giant laser in the sky, of course. Uh, so there's lots of shooting and space battles and... They introduce a character who is a Romulan, but for all intents and purposes is Legolas. Like he's just he's just like has he's got elf ears and he fights with swords. Mm. Um, they there it's there are good ideas that the the series just isn't interested in because it wants to do action and 
references and uh, have Riker show up and bake a pizza for some reason. It's it's disappointing, and it's a shame because it starts out well, and it's just the the more episodes you watch, the less good it feels. Uh, maybe season two will turn it around. Who knows? I just feel like this kind of show makes CBS All Access feel like seem desperate. Like the only way they can get people to come watch their streaming service is if they make something that's more actiony. And that also has like some brand recognition. Even though all the people that really love that brand, I think want the show that you want, Sean. Like they're not satisfied with having like that satisfied niche unless they like instead they feel like they gotta like disappoint like a lot of people to try to appeal to a wider audience. But that wider audience isn't coming, man. It's on fucking C is that even what it's called? CBS All Access? Yeah, I think they're going to change it to Paramount Plus, but I don't know if they've done that. Oh, yet. they're so they're merging with Paramount, huh? What does Paramount have? Don't they have like a Kevin Costner show that like every old person watches? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? No. That's on like the Paramount Network. What the fuck is that show? Is it Yellowstone? It's like one of these shows where it's like you you don't know anyone like under thirty who watches it, but like everyone over sixty watches it. <laughs> it's it's like fox news basically yeah i think it's yellow i want to say it's yellowstone some kevin costner show on paramount uh but yeah cbs all access what a fucking joke dude i feel like they were getting something else recently and i was super pissed actually i was i was mildly pissed (laughs) in the vein of this podcast oh i remember it was it was the new spongebob movie not that like I really want to see it, but it's like, come on, dude, that's the wrong no SpongeBob <laughs> movie on CBS All Access. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Everyone's gonna pirate that shit or rent it from Redbox and then not return it. I can't even imagine the chain of custody that where that ends up there. Well, it's weird too because in Canada it's on Netflix. So like, what the fuck happened? So is Star Trek Picard. Gosh, so they they must not have CBS All Access then in Canada. It must be that simple, yeah. It must be nice. <laughs> Though I know their Netflix okay. isn't as good as ours. So Nickelodeon is owned by MTV, who's owned by Viacom, who owns CBS and must also own Paramount. God, everything's just like one company, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. pretty much. I mean, there's like there's like three companies that own everything. <laughs> yeah, I wish there are only three streaming services. Which three would they be? Well, I I don't know, but I know for sure Netflix would be one of them because uh, the pandemic proved that, right? Yeah, dude, Tiger King. <laughs> Tiger yeah. King. So we're calling Tiger King a TV show. How many? I don't. I don't even know. Like how many episodes? I feel is like it? there's a good five eight? or six, eight, six, maybe. Holy there's shit! Quite a few. Holy shit! Holy, holy are they half hour episodes? There's eight no, that's episodes. That's an hour. I mean, it probably. Holy it, it shit! It probably doesn't. Well, let's see how many episodes it actually. Let's get this straightened out. Did you look it up, Colin? Yeah, I'm looking oh, it up right now. It look is it eight okay. episodes. Well, eight episodes. seven. It's eight if you count the like after show they did with Joel McHale. I mean, I don't know if if <laughs> it's enough. 
for eight episodes, but there is quite a bit. Like there's a lot of shit that goes. Joe down. Exotic. Uh, like there's people getting hurt at the zoo. There's his singing career. There's him running for political office. Him putting there's out obviously a all hit the on his uh, putting out nemesis. a hit. The big the big Carol Baskin. He's been yeah. referencing a lot of hip hop lyrics this year for some <laughs> reason. He was also on Dancing with the Stars, even though everyone hates her. Yeah. Um. I thought this was a great show. Uh, I loved it. But I am so fucking sick of it. And I also hate that we have turned these people into celebrities because they're bad people. And it seems like the the documentary is trying to highlight that these people are bad and abusive to big cats and that we need to end these kinds of zoos and these, uh, these places that house these big cats. But the message got kind of lost up in the whole Joe Exotic, Carol Baskin yeah, celebrity it, of it all. I feel like it was too preoccupied with just being sensationalism. And I mean, it made it very entertaining. Like, I uh, binged it in like two or three days because it was just like you wanted to see what happened next in this crazy guy's fucked up life uh but by the end of it i just felt bad just because i'd spent so much time watching this terrible person and it, it like i don't know i feel like i it seemed like there was some ethical issues to be had with the documentary since i think i heard that like you know they just cut out a lot of stuff where joe exotic was just saying super racist that's things. true. Yeah. yeah, they had to make him more likable. And I don't. And he's not the most likable guy. Yeah, he, he should not be making this guy likable. And it also like kind of, I feel like it gives more credence to his side of the story in how he, you know, was trying to frame it. So it seemed like Carol Baskin killed her husband, but it seemed like that guy was probably planning on uh, leaving the country. Uh, prior to his disappearance but i don't know carol baskin isn't a a great person either Uh, yeah i don't think it's necessarily fair to uh say oh well maybe she's a murderer yeah when we're not really sure uh you know it's selective editing uh but she's not great either that other guy (laughs) who was the cult he's pretty bad too yeah he's got like multiple wives or whatever and he's just yeah and they're like part of his sex cult basically i think that guy got in some Uh, trouble a while back uh rightfully so all these people are getting in trouble yeah they deserve it for sure yeah joe exotic is still in jail and he got coronavirus which that's gotta be like the best crossover of the year right (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's the disease that got people watching his show uh, well, there are some great moments. I am a big fan of uh, when that woman loses her arm and then he says, I will never financially recover from this. <laughs> that was a fun meme, briefly. He's a bad dude. God, that was so long ago. That was like 100 years ago. I, I have seen that meme yeah. and I didn't realize. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty was... fucked up, though, because like this woman loses her arm and Joe like goes to change into a different outfit and then comes back because this is around the period where he's like trying to film a reality show at his at his zoo so like he and then he was like acting all serious but it was really it was just for the cameras like he he literally changed costumes for the scene which is somebody actually losing their arm 
Uh, some great Halloween costumes, though, right? Yeah, if only we had Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember so, when we were watching the Seattle uh, New Year's Eve special, one of the reporters was fucking Joe Exotic. <laughs> like, that was his costume. Yeah. Like, Jesus, man, that's... I, okay, yeah, this guy's not a good dude, but okay. We should have nominated that. Colin, do you know about Seattle New Year's Eve? <laughs> I don't think so, no. So, obviously, they they couldn't do a fireworks show because then people would crowd around the Space Needle. So, they hired some guy to make a cartoon. It was, like, CG, like, special effects. It's, like, trippy to, like, set to, like, mid-tempo electronic music. Huh. It sucked. And I was furious because if there was any year where they were going to finally have the top of the Space Needle spin up and take off and fly off into the sky... This was the year because we're looking at a CGI space needle, and they didn't do it. It sucks. Now oh, we got amorphous blobs. Yeah, like butterfly shaped yeah. bullshit like that, yeah. and no pop music. It was all some guy hammering it out on the keyboard. <laughs> Basically, okay, pick a winner, right? How this is? I, tough. It's got to be Tiger it's, King. I could talk about Tiger King for like another like hour. There's so much to talk about. <laughs> Because I think it's like super entertaining. It's just, uh, it's bad. What is it, it existing is a bad thing for society. It's, uh... I I really don't think it does much for that big cat uh, concern that it seems like was the original mission of the filmmakers. Maybe. I bet there are some people that saw it and are like, oh, it doesn't look that hard to get a big cat. I'm gonna get me a big cat. Yeah. All right, let's talk about albums. Good year for music, for the most part, I would say. Uh, my first one is uh, Car Seat Headrest released a new album. Uh, the the follow-up to Teens of Denial, which was probably one of my favorite indie rock albums of the 2010s. And this one, I don't know. It, it, he was definitely making an album that was kind of a reaction to his sort of, like, newfound indie fame uh so a lot more like electronic stuff some of the songs are a little more i don't know abrasive i guess and i couldn't quite get into it but there are like a few songs towards the end of the album where he's kind of like able to meld these new more electronic sounds with like his his sort of melancholy melodic style in a way that i thought worked really well so even though this one didn't entirely work for me, like maybe he'll be able to put out another good album in the future. I don't know. Will Toledo being the leader of the band. What, wasn't there another album? Well, there was, he put out, like he re-recorded one of his old albums, Twin Fantasy. Is that what that was? Yeah. Oh. That was good though. I liked that. I like that. That's the one with the, they're like hugging or something. Yeah. Right? But uh, I liked that one. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Dan Deacon, Mystic Familiar. I didn't listen to this one. It's a Sean pick. Yeah, Dan Deacon is a electronic musician who uh, has done some real cool stuff. Like I feel like there's a lot you can find on like YouTube. He's doing like experimental like 
video music combination things. Uh, I think he's done some film scores as well. I don't know. We're not here to talk about his whole history. Uh, but way back in 2015, he put out an album called Gliss Riffer, which I loved. It absolutely kicks ass. Um, and also, now that I think about it, I remember I th- uh, one of my coworkers showed me that this album at work. Uh, but he later appeared on the uh, Matt Besser podcast, Improv for Humans. And uh, he performed some of the songs live on that podcast and then had the improvisers improvise scenes based on them. Uh, and that's really cool. That's a, a like that's a sort of weird thing that not a lot of people do. Let's go on an improv podcast and do their music live. Um, so I was really excited. It's been five years since that record came out. And uh, Mystic Familiar finally came out in January of last year. And I think it opens up with a fun uh, like trio of songs. Uh, and then it just kind of stagnates. And, uh, and that was really disappointing to me because, you know, I, uh, five years of hype basically made it something that uh, it could never live up to. Uh, so ultimately, I think it is fine. and definitely recommend people check out Dan Deacon, uh, but maybe Mystic Familiar, not the one to start with. Uh, I know who this guy is now. He's in the Wham City Comedy Collective. Do you guys know Wham City? Nope. They do a bunch of like Adult Swim like infomercials and stuff, like unedited unedited footage of a bear and his house has people in it, and he's like a part of that comedy team that makes those weird like Adult Swim short films that air at like four a.m. but are pretty good. Yeah, I mean that definitely seems in line with his vibe. I'm not surprised to hear that. Yeah, they also they also used to like live in a big warehouse in like Baltimore. <laughs> Just like come up with ideas and shit. There's something magical about Baltimore. There's a lot of musicians <laughs> I like from there. It's a magical place. Mm-hmm. It's a mystical place. Yeah, something familiar about that. What about the Lady Gaga album that I didn't listen to? Uh, so this was Chromatica, uh, the first Lady Gaga album in in a few years i think um and I, I i was listening to some lady gaga in like the early part of the year like january february when it was i don't know felt acceptable to listen to dance pop <laughs> and then uh she had this new album come out and i think it got delayed a little bit because of the pandemic but then it just came out in like april and Came out on my birthday. It was May, actually, yeah, May 29th. (laughs) So late May. (laughs) Anyways, uh, like, I just got the feeling that this was supposed to be, like, just a a big blockbuster album. Lots of big guests on it. And Gaga is clearly, like, returning to her, you know, her sweet spot, wearing lots of outlandish outfits and just making making lots of jams. Yeah, being a robot. And it's just like it's it's pretty good. It's just it wasn't it wasn't the right time for this album. Like these songs seem like they're meant to be played in stadiums, but it's just it wasn't the vibe we were looking for this year. And that's not it's not Gaga's fault. But uh, oh well. So you're saying she's like a reverse Taylor Swift? Exactly. She already had her acoustic period. 
Yeah, I think so. Because Joanne, I think, was her album before this. Oh, I was just thinking like the the stars and and also stars born. Yeah, so she she had already done her her folklore phase, and obviously she had already made this album before the pandemic, so she couldn't like course correct and, yeah. and make an album more suited for these these slower, quieter times. But uh, oh well, that Ariana Grande song is pretty good. Brain on me. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Uh, what's the next Almost one? gave oh. me a stroke. Guys, Sandler. the strokes. The new yeah. abnormal. Yeah. I oh. feel the same way about this as most of the recent ones. Where I'm like, this is, this is some good riffs here. The songs are a little too long for me. I feel like some of them don't live up to their full potential. Do you remember what the lead-off single to this album was, Colin? I do. I'm wondering <sighs> if you remember. It's like, close the door... At the door, yeah, the and that's door. a and that's a song that's like it starts out pretty cool, you know. It's it's got uh, the weird keyboard and uh, Julian Casablanca singing over it, and you're like, oh man, I can't wait to see what this builds to, and then nothing. It has no drums on the whole song. It's just him <laughs> singing to a keyboard, and it's like five minutes long. Like you know. I'm like, there's this could be something so much cooler. I just feel like I don't know. They need to. It's weird. It seems weird to say that they need to polish their stuff because I feel like they are a pretty polished group for the most part. But the, the the strokes used to be like so tight and so punchy, and now I feel like they're so like chill and just laid back, like even more so mm-hmm. than they've ever been. Maybe that's just me, but yeah, and I I feel like being more chill is not a bad direction for a band that's you know getting older, but. Mm-hmm. It just I don't know. It just could have felt a little more cohesive and could have had a little like a few more standout moments. Like I I remember re-listening to it in the later part of this year and I was like the first like four or five tracks are pretty solid, but then there's just a little too many kind of mid-tempo atmospheric songs that just don't entirely go anywhere. Oh well. I originally, so weird. I yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Sean. I assumed they had more records in the last decade than they did. No. I see. It's just uh, angles and come down machine, and then seven year gap. Yep. Then the new abnormal comes out. That's so weird to me. I, I, I. It's like a Mandela effect thing. I feel like there were <laughs> other Strokes records, but I, I guess there were. Nah, dude. Julian Casablanca is too busy giving embarrassing interviews <laughs> about Jimi Hendrix being super underground and how he thinks Ariel Pink is going to be this uh, artist we're all going to be talking about a lot in like 20 years from now, which definitely isn't going to happen now because of all the weird <laughs> Trump stuff he said recently. Yeah, what the <laughs> Bad call. Doesn't hold up. Great. <laughs> I don't think that's. I don't think there's going to be a resurgence of interest in uh, Ariel Pink twenty years from now. Mm-hmm. When he's in his sixties, I did listen to an Albert Hammond Jr. album at some point. Maybe that's why it feels like there are more strokes. Records. Yeah, they all get their their own things. They seem they seem happy. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know who's not happy? It's the weekend because he got <laughs> fucking snubbed. He got no Grammy nominations. 
And even though I'm not the biggest fan of After Hours, that does seem really weird. It, it's, it almost seems like it happened on purpose. <laughs> Why would you? Because this was a huge hit, this album. It did pretty pretty well critically. I feel like I'm in the minority by saying it's just okay. But, like, it's weird. And, like, this album, there's a lot of things that were really smart about it, too. Like, I like this kind of 80s synth direction. I like this weird, like arc that he's going through in the music videos where he's like i'm beat up guy in a suit you guys know what i'm talking about yeah the weekend like keeps showing up in this red suit and all these videos like all fucking like bloody and beat up and like i think his most recent one he had like weird plastic surgery over his face like look no i'm not beat up <laughs> i don't know what the character is exactly but i like that there's a thing uh but like this is kind of the same way I felt with his last album, his last couple albums. It's like there's some really good singles, and then the rest of it's just like super like chill. And like <laughs> I understand like that's what pop music kind of is these days. Like a lot of it is just like super laid back. Like we used to watch the music video channel back when we all living in West Seattle, and I feel like yeah. I always just wanted that like a song to pump me up. And so much of it was just like super like chill music that you listen to like when you're doing yoga or getting ready to take a nap. Like, there's not enough bangers, man. Uh, I mean, at least this, this this album had, like, that lead-off single, the Blinding Lights song, which is, like, kind of got a cool aha vibe to it. I think most people like that. And that was fun. Uh, early on, uh, there was a tic-tac, not tic-tac, <laughs> tic-tac trend of uh, people getting their parents to dance with them to yeah. uh, Blinded by the Light, which is great. When is TikTok and Tic Tacs going to do some sort of cross-promotional <laughs> campaign here? I can't be the only person thinking about this. I Do conservatives hate TikTok because Trump hates TikTok? Oh, de- definitely. It's China. Definitely. Is there a conservative version of TikTok? <laughs> I hope so. I don't know. That would, I'm sure it would be banned in like five minutes because it would immediately get way out of hand. It's not even funny the more I think about it. Uh, so, I wonder, yeah. was Parler designed to be a Republican social network or did it just get taken over by Republicans I, in the same I, way that the social network Peach got t- taken over by us and became our own Yeah, we, we owed Peach. We're the CEOs of Peach. You guys remember Peach? We're the CEOs. Yeah. Um, I think they tried to like say like it wasn't, but it always low key was. Yeah. <laughs> it certainly is now. I mean, isn't it? Isn't it like per, like closed? Right? You can't even, like get on it right now, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't nobody it wants to host them anymore. And it may not come back, so that's that's a win. Take it. We get some good wins lately. Like times are so bad, but there's been some wins. Twenty twenty one. Maybe it'll, uh, maybe maybe it'll be a, a little better. I think it will be. Oh, be careful! Oh no, I just jinxed it. <laughs> now we're gonna get the uh, super plague. Um, I, I have no idea which one of these yeah, albums to do. Guys, maybe uh, the Strokes. <laughs> Should we give it to the weekend just because he, he needs a win? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> You didn't get any Grammy nominations. At least get a a mildly pleased award. I think we all listened to it too, which I don't know. We all listened to it. And I'm super. I am super stoked for the weekend to play the Super Bowl. At least he's got that. Oh yeah, that's gonna be fucking sweet. 
He's gonna come in a full body cast. Yeah, let's. <laughs> he's gonna still be wearing being the beat up guy, right? So, what's what's going on? Maybe he's gonna be beat up football guy. Oh, dude! I know. I know what he's gonna do. I know what he's gonna do. Uh, remember in Beetlejuice that flat guy yes. who works in the office? <laughs> he's like completely flat. It's gonna be that. He's gonna be that guy. All right, uh, our next category is the most mildly pleasing song of 2020. And uh, to everyone's surprise, Taylor Swift's Cardigan is up here, despite her sweeping our album top 10. Yes. Shocked. It's true. We're all, we're all big fans of that album. I just, I just feel like having this be the lead single was a, a marketing play in the deepest sense because... I don't think this is even close to being one of the best songs on the album. It's fine. It's perfectly fine. It certainly uh, encapsulates like the vibe of folklore. But she put out that music video about where she's wearing a cardigan, and then she's, and then Taylor Swift was selling that exact same cardigan on her website. So I feel like making this the single was just a ploy to sell lots and lots of Taylor Swift cardigans. So that's what makes she it. talks about cardigans on more than this song. Yeah, though, she so. wants you to buy that cardigan, and that uh, makes the song a little mildly pleasing for me. Okay. Fair enough. That's my reason. It's a fair case, but was it the best case uh, of the work they're going to hear? I don't know, because <laughs> the next one we have to hear about is Paul McCartney's "Find My Way." He did it again, guys! Another catchy single. We thought he was done with that. Uh, that uh, iTunes one. Remember that one? Dance to... Right, am I thinking of the right song? Dance Tonight? Is that the one you That's exactly about? the one. Everybody yeah. going to dance tonight. That was pretty catchy. Yeah, this song's... This song's I, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, just, that was it. That was, <laughs> I thought that would be the last big Paul McCartney single. But he's done it again. Done it, has he done it again? I mean, we all know this song, but ha, ha, did he? Did this... Did anyone else hear I have it? no sense of what's popular. That's, okay. Uh, yeah, I like the song okay. My problem is, is, is it just sounds too old. He's finally gotten too old to do pop music. Like this kind of like jaunty, bouncy pop music. I just, it feels weird. He's so old. Like he needs to like uh, go into his old, old, like uh, wise, sagely Johnny Cash phase or something. He could never pull it off. Yeah, though. he could. It's this just is who so he is. far from his brand. It's tough because like, I, I wouldn't ever want to discourage anyone from doing what they're passionate about like he just he did this album just because he wanted to like he loves to make music and he pretty much just made this by himself it's just it's a hey, little man. disappointing that he's just so old <laughs> kind of hey man yeah this is that year patrick stewart's taking his shirt off and shooting aliens at 80 paul mccartney's out here jamming about falling in love again at 80 <laughs> joe biden's <laughs> winning the presidency at, 80. at nearly at, 80, at 80. <laughs> This is the octogenarian's you, you time. Can't, you can't let the boomers die. They will run everything forever. Yeah, I, I like I like the song. It's fine. It's yeah. it, it, it's cute. Sure. But can you imagine what John would think? <laughs> John Lennon, of course, not me. Yeah, I guess that's funny. They got a back-to-back Beatle thing. So very early into Shelter in Place, I bet a lot of people weren't even sheltering in place at this point. Gal Gadot 
organized a bunch of her celebrity friends, including most of the cast of Wonder Woman 1984, to quote-unquote sing Imagine together. And they made zero effort to find a key as a group or think this idea through even a little bit. It, it really does feel <laughs> like... She's got everybody on a call. She's like, let's all sing it. And then we'll have some guy edit it together and put it out there. And it'll make people feel better. It was a ridiculously bad idea. It's so embarrassing. And uh, it's it's really the ultimate test on how much you like cringe content. Because uh, it's it will either be uh, delightfully amusing uh, as, as a sort of train wreck. Uh, or so cringy you'll have to turn it off immediately. Um, I still too embarrassed to watch it. it. Too embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> so neither of you can do it, huh? It is. Uh, it's it. It hurts. the The people that show up are so like Will Ferrell's in there for some reason. It's uh, and then there are people who can sing mixed with people who can't. Um. I think it's cringy because you could imagine yourself in that position getting roped into it because you're like, okay, sure, yeah. we're just doing a nice oh, thing because yeah. everybody's sad and they're at home. No no worries, but you don't actually know what the final product's going to look like. Well, yeah, and, and it's just you just have to think it through a little bit and realize it's a bad idea. You, have, you just have to think, oh, we're all in our giant estates. <laughs> And we don't have to worry that about food and stuff because we have we can get stuff delivered. We have personal chefs. We don't have any problem. Like we're not. We have money. We don't have to worry about being out of work. Everything's fine for all. Every single person in this video had nothing to worry about, and they're like trying to comfort us. And this is how they're doing it. It's insulting. Um, so I guess that's the third way you can watch it as something that just infuriates <laughs> you and how out of touch these people are. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, you can watch the Mandalorian try to sing. Imagine. <laughs> Does he that's, sing that's it in costume? Is uh, Baby Yoda in on costume as the Mandalorian? No. Is Baby Yoda singing Imagine? I, I think he'd be in costume as Max Powers, if anything. Max Lord. Oh. Oh, God. I got reprogrammed by Red Letter Media. <laughs> that's what they call him in their review. Yeah, the Simpsons. God, that's the Simpsons Max thing. Max Powers. Yeah. We all get confused. I got confused with this next edition because it technically came out last year, but I saw a list of like the top songs from this year and they included it, so fuck it. I- I'd say it disqualifies it from winning, but uh, Orphans was the lead single from the last Coldplay album, which I think was like, November oh. 2019, but fuck it. Who-, who could keep track of things anymore? I remember like... Us. Yeah. Yeah, go for it. Every time Coldplay is going to do a new album, I'm like, maybe this is the time they get it back. Because just I find myself maybe once a year revisiting um, Viva La Vida. I almost call it Living to Viva Loca. Um, <laughs> and being like, oh, this album's so good. They should do this again. But they never do, and they never will. They never do. And it seemed like this one had potential because it's like, this is more like world music. We're going to do a concert movie in the Middle East. And I'm like, okay, yeah, there's a little more international flavor to it. And then I hear it's like a double album. I'm like, eh, I don't know. And then I listen to it and it's super fucking boring. But this song's okay. It's got like shouting chorus. You know, everyone's sing along yeah. shouting. It's kind of fun. We need to have those. Some woes. Lots of woes. 
Uh, but yeah, who gives a fuck? I, I mean that like like W O A H, not W O E. <laughs> that's that's not Coldplay's band. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, I gotta stop. I mean, they they can still come out with singles um, that I enjoy, but there's never gonna come out with an album I like again. And I yeah, come to that, that's what that. I was gonna say. It's it's such a shame that I just had to give up on Coldplay because they're not gonna make music I like anymore. It's weird because if someone like offered me like the chance to go see a Coldplay show, I would still say yes even today with all the albums I don't care about that exist. <laughs> Whereas, like, there's other bands where, like, if someone's like, do you want to go see Kings of Leon? I'm like, uh, I don't know. They got a lot oh, yeah, of albums they've... I don't really like. But I would still see Coldplay. I... <laughs> Let's talk about the new Coldplay, Harry Styles, you guys. <laughs> um, what is Watermelon Sugar? I've listened to the song. I still oh, understand what Watermelon sex. Sugar it's is. It's gotta be. <laughs> right? He, like, he says it's not, but it is. It's what it's gotta be. So I've had like a, I put together like a big pop uh, playlist on my Spotify this year, and I was going on these long ass walks and all this pop music. But every time I got to One Direction, like I always get way too embarrassed. Like oh, this is embarrassing. These guys embarrass me. <laughs> and then they, you know, and I didn't like any of their solo music. And then Harry Styles, who I want to like because I feel like he has potential as an actor, which I like. Uh, came out with this watermelon sugar song. I'm like, okay, I can I can put up with this one. It's got it's kind of funky. I don't know what it means, but I kind of like that. I uh, I kind of feel like he's like he probably wants to be like the Mick Jagger of his time, but he I feel like he's more of the Rod Stewart of his time, <laughs> and I think that's fine. Yeah, he seems like a nice guy. Sure, it's a fun song. I, I I didn't I didn't listen to the album. No, I'm not. I'm not going that far. Isn't he a troublemaker, though? Ooh, like like in a fun way or in like a bad way? <laughs> like, is he like playing I'm... pranks or is he like doing something real, like having Corona parties? I want to say he is the reason that Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis got divorced last year. Whoa, I'm going to need some more deets on that one. <laughs> Let's see. I'm going to kind of skim here a bit on his Wikipedia. does have a public image. I don't see a controversy tab on his Wikipedia page. Mm. It's, it's always good. Mm, I mean, that might not be the kind of thing they put on his Wikipedia, this uh, this little scandal. Well, I, I mean, He's born in 94. All right, here we go. I'm going to click on the link. <laughs> Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde's relationship yeah, timeline. Corner. This is my favorite part. <laughs> The kind of drama-filled relationship at Cosmopolitan.com. This article is by Star Bowen Bank. Published January 14th. Today. All right. This is breaking news. So, okay. They're... they say as early as September 11th, the 9-11, a day which live in infamy, um, is when uh, Harry Styles was cast in Don't Worry Darling, which is uh, Olivia Wilde's next directorial effort. She cast him to replace Shia LaBeouf. Oh, I heard about uh, this movie. Don't Worry Darling or something. And in, as of November, she's like, super, she's talking very excitedly about Harry to the press. Uh, 
She seems to really like him. And then later that same day, still November 13th, um, the news hits that Jason Segas and Olivia have ended their en- ended their engagement after seven years. So they didn't even get married. Uh, so that's November. January 4th, 2021, Harry and Olivia are seen holding hands at a wedding, which you can't hold someone's hand without being in a sexual relationship with them. That's the rule. <laughs> Dang, uh, quote, Olivia and Harry are together for long days on set and have gotten to know each other really well. So it's all very organic. Oh, my. That's an anonymous source. We have to protect their identity. Oh, my, my, my. <laughs> January 8th. Um, so quote, Harry Styles is basically the reason for Olivia and Jason's split. Says page six. People have tried to make out that Harry and Olivia have only been dating for the past few weeks, but that's not right, says the source. Jason found out about Harry and pushed the conversation. Olivia then asked for a separation and news of the split was made public. So we know that was back in November. Mm, Right. This keeps going, but I've lost interest. Dang, man. Well, I'm looking for that movie, though. It becomes basically daily. Jeez. Every day, there's more news. Right. Who imagine what we'll know by the time this podcast is released? Yikes! Well, I don't think we should give him an award award then because he's a bad boy. <laughs> uh, we can't give he it. Hurt to, Ted Lasso's feelings. Can't give it to Coldplay because the wrong year. <laughs> yeah. Imagine is bad, but it's just funny to talk about. Yeah, it's so bad you guys couldn't even watch it. <sighs> I feel like Cardigan is way too controversial. Like I know it's like Molly Please like you did a good job, but I'm just like afraid of the backlash. So <laughs> are we also afraid of turning this into a a, a boomer award though? <laughs> <laughs> Boomer's usually win the album award, not the song one, right? Yeah. I think that's right. That's right. So we're flipping it, maybe. Right, we're still rewarding them. Yeah, they gotta win. Yeah, they gotta win. Something. I just feel more comfortable with that. All right, fine. I like I like Cardigan quite a bit. I get I get what you're saying, and I think it's probably accurate. But I like it a lot. This is my my worry about the um, the new Beatles documentary from Peter Jackson, is that the boomer mindset is so much that they're the greatest generation ever, and they um, made all the yeah. best art of all time and if we keep making documentaries that kind of take that stance then they're never going to get over it they're just going to think they're the best and everyone else sucks and then they're going to die happy (laughs) (laughs) i think you you got a valid point there i am very curious to see what that documentary is going to be like because it is weird it's like what if they did let it be but happy (laughs) (laughs) okay i don't know if that's quite the vibe but okay um so uh before we get into the film awards we do take a brief break to uh give out our lifetime achievement award and speaking of boomers speaking of octogenarians although he's he's in his late 70s right he's not 80 yeah he's not yeah, 80 he's like right? there right? soon but yeah soon enough <laughs> uh we're giving joe biden the uh lifetime achievement and mild pleasure award uh 
if you look back at 2020, it was a uh, a rocky road for uh, the former vice president, now president-elect, soon to be president. Uh, he started out. I mean, we, the the nomination process was going on. We were trying to pick the top Democrat to run against uh, Donald Trump this year, and uh, and Biden was get getting hit pretty hard for. Uh, yeah, at the very least, his sketchy record when it comes to uh, busing and uh, race relations, and uh, it ends up being the case that like most of his political career is kind of a uh, to put it nicely. Well, you tried. It's, it seems like the, the, the biggest positive about Joe Biden is that a lot of people like him. That, that certainly is what he ran on and is his course he wants to take the nation in as president. Is he's someone who can get along with people and make deals happen, which uh, I, I guess we'll see. It sure doesn't feel like we're living in that kind of America anymore. Uh, but like when we talked about with that super embarrassing video in the borough video section, uh, we needed somebody who could beat Trump. And as much as I disagree with the notion that he was the only one who could do it, uh, the fact of the matter is he is the one who did do it. Uh, and that's worth something. And uh, I think he's made some good speeches post-election uh, day that uh, have me liking him more than I ever have before and probably more than I ever will because <laughs> soon enough he's going to be the guy behind the desk. Uh, so uh, I don't know which one of you guys nominated him, but I think it was a great choice. It was me. It, it just seemed like nice symmetry to us also uh, giving Hillary Clinton the Lifetime Achievement Award in 2016. Oh, God, I didn't even remember that. Yeah, It's just, uh, you know, it's what we get. <laughs> As far as Democratic presidential nominees, just he's middle of the road. I will say, as a very small moral victory, it is nice to have someone who's president who does, at some base level, care about people, like likes and, people and cares about them and talks to them and is is compassionate. You know, there's that great video of Joe Biden talking to the stuttering kid and. All sorts of videos like that where he's talking to the community and he genuinely seems interested. Like, how depressing was it to have a president who doesn't even really like most of his own family? Like, doesn't like anyone. He's really just in it for, like, the deals and the fame. That was pretty fucking dark, dude. And it's still dark. But, like... Yep. It's just nice to have someone who feels like a real human, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. Even though, as Trump would say, Biden doesn't even know he's alive. <laughs> what downside? There's many downsides. But God, is it a step up from where we were. Yeah, we're so political now. Oh my gosh. Yeah, right? We're at the hard-hitting issues. We're also dropping yeah. the hot gossip. <laughs> Very styles. We cover the wide spectrum of, yeah. of stories. We should we should start our own like media conglomerate. I guess we have mildly pleased. <laughs> yeah, so we'll well. just turn it into a political blog. Like uh, we need mildly TV, you know, <laughs> or something. You know, like I'm start his media 
company. Yeah, right. He's fucking lazy and doesn't have enough money to do it. He, yeah, I mean, he, he's facing a lot of legal troubles <laughs> once he it's gets out of legal. office. No, it's not a good... It's a rocky road. Rocky road. Yeah. I have no idea what to expect. Yeah, there. it's it's tough. So there is that, and now we get to go into the big three best actor, best actress, best film, although I guess none of those we actually call the best. Um, anyway, let's talk about our favorite mildly pleasing acting performance. Are we getting to the point where the gender separation is going to go away? It's kind of weird, right? In our particular and like the oscars i don't know maybe i mean i even though i maybe i don't necessarily agree with it i do like it as an opportunity to give more people awards uh like if you combine the categories less people would get you know like if we're talking the oscars less people would get oscars and i like to see people get oscars so i don't know i'm not sure how they could change that why are we going to get a trophy Will Gary Oldman get a trophy for Mank? <laughs> I doubt it, because he already won an Oscar like two or yeah, three years good. ago for putting on the fat suit to play uh, Winston Churchill. I don't think he's... No, he's, he's not wearing any prosthetics, or I don't think there's any de-aging happening here either, which is kind of my big problem with <laughs> this... Uh, performance. It's not really the performance itself. It's just the casting. It's just like weird because he's playing Herman Mankiewicz. You know, Gary Oldman's not Jewish, but Hollywood usually doesn't care about that. Additionally, he's not the right age. Like, I think Gary Oldman now is older than Herman Mankiewicz was when he died. And the movie (laughs) takes place like 15 to 20 years before he died so yeah Gary Oldman's like 20 years too old for this part it's like that um that Vincent Van Gogh movie where uh it was Willem Dafoe and like Vincent Van Gogh died when he's like 36 or something (laughs) and it was 60 year old Willem Dafoe I see see now Gary Oldman is 62 and Herman Mankiewicz was 55 when he died so yeah odd casting yeah, I've heard people point that uh, also that his wife was like the same age as him, and in the movie it's Amanda Seyfried, right? No, actually, I thought it was because you guys told me that going into it. But his wife in the uh, movie is kind of more of a background character. She seemed more age appropriate. Amanda Seyfried's just playing a, an actress who became like based on the uh or i guess the the actress that uh citizen kane marries like the young starlet that he marries in the movie is based on her in real life who was actually a real actress and so okay. he, well, he he, he kind of just has like a the same age. yeah he kind of just has a friendship with her and they just kind of cross paths uh in hollywood in the 40s okay times. well i got the wife thing wrong yeah. but in real life uh marion duris aka marion davies was exactly the same age as herman mankiewicz okay so i guess so that it is amanda seafried that's supposed to be the same age as gary oldman so i'm saying yeah all right 
Anyways, Gary Oldman's... He's fine in this. I just feel like you could have gotten someone better to play it. Whoa. Michael Stuhlbarg. I, I guess. I don't know. Mank is kind of a... He's kind of a troublemaker, but he's also, you know, kind of a... Oh, Harry Styles. Kind, kind of a wise-ass, too. <laughs> I you know when you hear troublemaker yeah i feel like both of those guys are just too intense to play what this character is but uh it's it's fine god it occurs to me i gotta watch it like this weekend we're doing top 10 list next week god damn is it a top 10 level movie got a mild it's got a mildly pleased nomination i mean like yeah like it it could make mine i don't feel like it would make shots uh, you have no idea how barren my top ten is right now. <laughs> well, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like anything's game this year. Cause, I mean, I certainly didn't see that many movies. Anything's game. Time. Anything's mm, video game. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog, you guys. One of the most successful movies of 2020. We're talking about Jim Carrey. <laughs> Uh, who feels like someone who would have been nominated for this award before? Uh, because I don't know about you guys, but even though I've always appreciated Jim Carrey's, uh, enthusiasm for his roles, I've never been a huge fan of him as an actor. I don't know. Are you guys Jim Carrey fans? I'm more of a fan of his painting. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. I liked his, like, uh, dramedy period, I, I guess. Uh, you know, Truman Show's fun. Yeah, a lot of people. Eternal Sunshine's like really that, good. But I always, I kind of believe that you could have cast someone better. I know a lot of people think he's he that was like that's his best role and that he really worked in that one. But I don't know. Um, but I do like him. I do like his enthusiasm. I like it when he's silly, flailing his arms around. This is that kind of role. Absolutely, <laughs> this is an over the top ridiculous character he's playing dr robotnik he's got lots of gadgets uh he's doing i can't i can't remember if he's doing funny voices he's all over the place and even though like yeah i don't know if it's the best direction for the character like it's got your attention when he's on screen like you are you are dialed in to whatever he's doing and I even appreciate that you do get to see him make the transformation into being bald with a ridiculous mustache. Oh, they do do that. That's good. I think, I don't remember, I'm sorry if I'm spoiling the end of the Sonic movie, I feel like he gets warped somewhere, and it's like time has passed, and then you see him, he's like, I'm going to get my revenge, and now he's got the classic look, the bald, the mustache. And they are doing a sequel. Uh, Tails does show up like at the very end of this movie. And it wasn't do you like think they're going to have the courage to actually do stuff in the the, the world of Sonic? I hope so. Like get people the movie they All actually want. All that stuff. Best part of the movie, like it, like there's like a a little bit in his like home world, and it looks cool. And like there is one part where he's just like walking around, and they're playing a little bit of like like a piano version of Green Hill Zone. The, Dun, 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 dun. It's giving me fucking chills, dude. Like more, more, more. There's, there's just not it's, enough video game stuff in the movie. It sounds exactly like how um, Detective Pikachu opens with them, like trying to catch that Cubone. Yes. And it's like, oh my god, you're actually showing us like a Pokemon this movie we that we want, and they take it away from us and give us this other movie for the rest of the time. Yeah. 
movie's the movie's not bad. It's just fine. It's like a little bit too much for babies, which is fine. I mean, it's not the Hedgehog. Um, but yeah, it's it's okay. And Jim Carrey, he's kind of funny in it. Uh, there you go. And, I would say this is a dark horse to win this category. Yeah. Uh, our next nominee is the most popular. Probably actor the on most the nominated person in the history of the mildly <laughs> pleased awards. And I want to reiterate that getting a mildly pleased award nomination is not a diss. It's like you did a good job. It just it's not like spectacular. And mm-hmm. I just feel bad. I'm talking about Keanu Reeves for Bill and Ted Face the Music. Now, uh, first of all, I, I will say, I really liked this movie. I thought it was really funny. I was impressed by the movie. Um, and it was interesting seeing these guys reunited, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. Now, what surprised me, Alex Winter has basically been retired from acting for like 15, 20 years. <laughs> And he blows Keanu Reeves out of the water. <laughs> Keanu Reeves, an A-list superstar. Like, Alex Winter is like over here. It's like he's in Hamlet or something. And Keanu Reeves is... It's, he, he doesn't quite do Ted as well as he used to. I, I, I don't know. I feel like mm-hmm. Keanu is... Because he's, he, he's molded himself into a cold-blooded killer. He can't go yeah. back. And it is like... Uh, yeah true he spent the last 15 years learning how to shoot guns and stab swords and punch people he seems to have trouble doing this this style of comedy again which is crazy because it used to be his bread and butter but he is still funny and i really love that he's he's definitely like putting in the effort it's not like he's not trying he just can't really do it quite anymore and it's it's, yeah it's funny to see him in all the ridiculous costumes and in old man makeup and all sorts of stuff he's he's totally game is he putting in the effort in Cyberpunk? I think... I haven't got to him in Cyberpunk. I don't know how much of the game he's in. and I, I thought I heard he's in the back half of the game, but I don't know if that's true. I... That's... Okay. I had heard he's, like, like in every main story quest. I haven't run into him, no. That's so weird. Yeah, dude. It's weird, because he's... Johnny, he's, he's, Johnny Silverhand. He's usually everywhere, man. How many movies yeah. he done in the last two years? There's a lot of stuff. It's got a new Matrix movie coming out. I'm into it. I like jumping Keanu. up. Buildings. I love Keanu. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's like Tom Cruise, but you don't have to like worry about him. Let's talk about the new Keanu guys, Pete Davidson, <laughs> the king of Staten Island. Colin, did you watch this? No, I didn't see it. That surprised I mean, me because I thought I... you definitely would have checked it out. I figured used to be diehard Apatow guy. Yeah, my interest is waned. But maybe I'll watch it since I think it's on Hulu or HBO, HBO Max. Now. That's yeah. where I watch it. It's okay. Yeah. Um, it's not bad. There's some pretty good stuff in, in it. But it's like, again, it's 136 minutes. I'm like, okay, this could be 40 minutes shorter. <laughs> um, but let's talk about Pete Davidson. I don't know where you guys stand on him, but I kind of like him. Like, I'm for Pete Davidson being in movies i know he himself is like i'm a shitty actor i don't agree with that i think he has a charm um i feel like he's also like weirdly controversial though i feel like people are always talking about that's why like do you guys like pete davidson i don't know where you stand i think he's grown on me a little but uh i i guess i haven't really seen him act in anything i've only seen him on snl he hasn't done much yeah 
Yeah. I mean, he's done digital shorts or the equivalent of those, <laughs> I guess, these yeah. days. And some of those. Um, well, I think he's... What's the, yeah. What's the controversy? The only thing I remember is he made a joke about Dan Crenshaw. Stuff like and then that. SNL made him apologize. I think that's bullshit. But it's like, he you should make more that. jokes about Dan Crenshaw. Fuck that guy. It's just minor stuff like that. Like, I'm usually, I feel like I'm usually on his side. He just, like, he'll do his weekend update segments and say something controversial. I'll be like, what? And then people will be like, oh, Pete Davidson shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but I feel like it's not. I feel like people are overreacting a little bit. But I like him. I think he's a talented stand-up. And I think he's a good actor. But I feel like this movie is asking a little too much of him. It's a little too heavy. It's There's some pretty, like, uh, dramatic moments in this movie. And it's not like he doesn't do a good job in those moments, but... I feel like I'd rather see Pete Davidson work his way to that spot. Kind of like Bill Hader's movie career where he got to do like his super bads and you know bit parts and stuff like uh, Pineapple Express and Tropic Thunder. And then now he's finally doing the more dramatic stuff. I don't want to see Pete Davidson right out the gate doing the dramatic stuff. He, sh- he should get his slacker comedies. <laughs> you know, his, his, his easy 90-minute slacker comedies out first. Though I, I am aware that doesn't really like comedy's like basically dead and it doesn't really exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think he does an okay job. It's an interesting movie. Um he's in Suicide it, it, Squad, which I'm intrigued by as well. Coming up. I also think it's interesting that uh Judd Apatow has spent the last decade uh focusing on like making the first movie of popular comedians because he had this but i think his last uh you know non-documentary directorial effort was train wreck right i think so yeah where, where he's like trying to make amy schumer into a movie star to a uh, uh, mild success i guess yeah no I noble if thing he's to lost do. his confidence like he, <laughs> you can't make his, his movies with his friends anymore uh i don't know what it is He's just looking for the new hotness. He's like, I made Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill famous. I'm going to make these people famous. Maybe that's... He's a kingmaker. Maybe that's his, his strategy. Yeah, he wants more kings. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. King Staten Island. Dude, put that together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's good. Uh, it's, or it's okay, uh, but comedy is dead, uh, which is very true in uh, the, our next movie, <laughs> uh, Steve Carell and Irresistible. <laughs> Which um, I think I pointed out somewhere that this movie it feels like it was made in 2004. It feels very like Bush era politics. Mm. This is a movie uh, directed by John Stewart, uh, starring Steve Carell um, as kind of like a political strategist. Um, he was on the losing side of the 2016 election. He's looking for a win. And he sees something on the news, some small town uh, guy played by Chris Cooper. Um, I can't remember what it was. Was it the Midwest? Some, somewhere. I remember it was in a red state somewhere. I don't know. He, he sees this guy who gives like this inspirational speech at like a town hall meeting. And Steve Crow's like, this guy has folksy charm. I think this guy could be uh, a future successful politician. I'm going to have him run for mayor in his small town. And for some reason the whole like angle of like i'm gonna find a folksy guy 
kind of just feels like I gotta find my my George Bush to fit in with the world. <laughs> it, it feels it feels weird, like the way this movie handles conservatives, like they're just like kind of weird folksy because he's gonna have him run as a democrat but he's gonna convince him like that like the way this movie portrays uh conservatives is more just kind of uh, cowboys when i feel like modern conservatives are more of like uh a little more extreme than that the landscapes change so much it feels weird to kind of portray them in that way uh this movie's a little too tame but i didn't i didn't nominate this movie and i had steve carell this is very like just kind of uh, he's fine. He's not super funny in it. He's mostly the straight man to a lot of gags. Um, yeah, I just, I just I just like I watched it and I'm like, well, I gotta nominate it. <laughs> I don't I don't have much to say about. It. There's moments I did like. There was some good uh, fish out of water jokes where it's like well, being in a small town. What you what do you mean? There's no Wi-Fi. You know, that stuff's like low-hanging fruit, but I did like it. You guys have any questions about Irresistible? No, I, don't, I think I got the gist of yeah, it. I gave you a lot. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, you have. If you lived through the mid-2000s, you basically saw it. Yeah. Oh, God, now i got to go on to another very similar movie. Um, because we're going on to the actress category. Oh, we got a winner. No, we got a, winner. We got a crown a winner. Winner, winner, winner. King of the category. <laughs> yes. Uh, Keanu's hmm. won probably multiple awards. He can't win another one. <laughs> um. It's weird that I was thinking like he's gonna be the favorite, but he's yeah. a great choice. I don't. I do kind of want to look up how many times he's won before. <laughs> it's probably only like once or twice. Probably only once, but he's probably been nominated multiple times. He's definitely been nominated for Lifetime Achievement. He's been nominated for John Wick. What else could he have been nominated for? I guess that was it, probably, right? Maybe. I can't think of another yeah. movie you would, we would have nominated him for. Um... Um, I'm inclined to lean towards Mank because I haven't seen it. <laughs> so it's an easy choice for me to say Mank. Uh, I mean, if you want. Okay, I don't it doesn't know. sound like Mank. It sounds like it's Keanu Reeves. Or Pete Davidson as an up-and-comer. Uh, uh, what do you think, Sean? Where, where, where do you feel the conversation going? What's it's so lie? hard to make a decision when you're just going off of what other people said about the movies. Cause you guys can trust me. Okay. I do want to remind people, um, last year, uh, the 8th Annual Mildly Please Wars, first of all, realistic-looking Sonic the Hedgehog was the cover photo Colin chose. <laughs> so uh, I think that must have been a nominee for something. Uh, I also will warn people, Mackenzie Davis won the uh, Actress Award for Terminator Dark Fate. Oh my god, that's terrible. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> I keep saying it like it's a diss. It's not a diss. You did a good job. I know. We wrestle with uh, it every year. I, this, this came up when I searched Keanu Reeves. I don't know what we talked about. Uh, maybe he was the nominee for uh, Lifetime Achievement or something last year. But he was definitely in the mix as recent as last year, although it looks like he didn't win. Um, 
not seeing him actually for 2019. <laughs> we gave the All lifetime right. achievement to Jay Roach last year. <laughs> Jay Roach. Yep. <laughs> All right, let's give it to Keanu. It feels right. Feels yeah. good. Oh yeah. All right. Now that we have our king, let's find our queen. All right, let me I'm going to cut a speed round through this. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with the bottom of the list. Or just I want to, uh, since we were talking about Irresistible, I'm going to talk about Mackenzie Davis. She plays Chris Cooper's daughter. She plays woman who is concerned. It is not an interesting role. I like Mackenzie Davis. She's charming. She does uh, the best she can with very weak material. The movie tries to make them hook up, but thank God John Stewart is smart enough to know we can't have that happen. And they don't You're telling me there were two movies in 2020 where tough girl Mackenzie Davis played the repressed daughter of a politician? Yes. That is a weird coincidence. Yeah. You know what's funny? This is also the year I started watching Halt and Catch Fire, and she plays like a badass punk on that. I'm like, yeah, more of this. This is cool. Well, that's been her whole career up until this year, apparently. I guess so, yeah. Like, she's badass in the Hunger Games sequels. She doesn't play a badass in Black Mirror. Um, she plays like Timid uh, in that. She's really good in that, though. I like her a lot. Um, that was this is this is a filling out the list pick of I've ever seen. It. Let me go back to the top of the list, guys. I watched Hillbilly Elegy. What a pile of shit! What was I thinking? I'm not even explaining the movie. Yeah, it's like oh, it's like some guy who's like I grew up. I spent my summers in Kentucky with a bunch of rednecks, and I'm I hate them, but I'm also proud to be a redneck. I don't know. It's stupid. It's very melodramatic. Um, a lot of people thought Amy Adams was really bad in this movie, but I don't know. I thought she had moments. I mean, she's she's so talented. Um, she's not just gonna totally blow it. Um, it's yeah, it's very soap opery. It's got a lot of those like, "Mom, what are you doing with these drugs?" scenes. You know, like yeah, I've seen this before in better movies. <laughs> <laughs> it was long too. Gosh, and of course, it's a Ron Howard movie. I don't know why I said of course. It just makes sense. It's just like it's a movie that's like, please give me an Oscar. But I don't think it's won a lifetime achievement award. He did, yeah, didn't he? He definitely got. He was definitely in the. He was definitely nominated. Um, Glenn Close is kind of good in this movie. Uh, Amy Adams, though, inconsistent. Good moments, bad moments. That's what put her on there. <laughs> then why didn't you nominate Glenn Close? She's too good. She's too, She's too good. good She's too good in this piece of shit. <laughs> All right. I'm changing it to Glenn Close. Also, she's probably going to win now. Yeah. <laughs> She's too good. <laughs> All right, let me let me. I gotta gotta race through these. Uh, Annie Taylor Joy, New Mutants finally came out. Sort of. It, I mean, you could rent it. That's what I did. I spent money. It was in theaters. I spent like fifteen Remember, that bucks was, to rent this movie. And this was the big protest. Is a bunch of uh, outlets were like, "Well, they didn't send us screeners, and we're not gonna tell our critics to risk their lives to go review New Mutants." So it just went unreviewed. Uh, by most of the major outlets, which is cool. I kind of liked it. Like, it, I love that I was super... It has, like, five people in, like, the whole movie. Like, no joke. Maybe, like, six people in the whole movie. 
That's a super. Oh, so ironically, they could have made it during the pandemic. It feels like it. All set in one location. There's some flashbacks with um. Uh, what's that Native American actor uh, from Joe Dirt? That guy, he's good. He's in some flashbacks. I can't remember his name. But like, Kick it, Wig? Yeah. Well, that's the character from Joe Dirt, but I like that actor. Uh, but I like the cast of this movie for the most part, except, and this is the reason I nominated Anya Taylor-Joy, there's so many bad accents in this movie. Anya Taylor-Joy <laughs> is doing hardcore Russian accent. Um... She's playing Colossus's sister, and she has like a power where she can like transport you to some weird limbo world she created. Also, she has like a weird like magic sword and a dragon. <laughs> and comics are it's, so it's good. a very yeah, it's pretty fucking weird. It's a very hammy performance. It is fun. Um, she's also plays the bully too, so she's like, you know, you kind of hate her, but you also, I mean, saying it to a joy, you like her too. Uh, it's just She's a weird performance, but I kind of, I kind of dig, I kind of dig part of it. Um, She's definitely like on the upswing for the most part, though. I mean, with Qu- Queen's Gambit and Emma, she's in the next Robert Eggers movie. So she had the the split series. So are they gonna? Is there gonna be another one of those? At least not right now. M Night does have a movie coming out next year, but it's about some other stuff. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that. But I'm glad to see. Oh, she's. I see she's an untitled David O. Russell film, so she'll probably be playing a 64 year old. I thought you were gonna say so. She's probably gonna get nominated here again in a couple years. Oh, <laughs> David yeah, O. Russell. Gosh, this award's got his name written all over it. Um, but yeah, like her. Uh, okay, movie, whatever. All right. Also nominated, uh, Bill Powley for King of Staten Island. She's Pete Davidson's love interest in the movie. Uh, I like her. Uh, she's in Diary of a Teenage Girl. She's pretty good in that. But again, I'm here because like I don't. I, I'm not from the East Coast, so I don't really know my accents that well. But this can't be a real accent. She's doing like the the the. I'll call it the coffee talk accent. <laughs> you know the Mike Myers <laughs> East Coast coffee talk. She's doing that voice. Yeah. And sometimes it's so fucking annoying. Like, I like the energy of the character. She's very, like, uh, upbeat and fun and quirky. But the voice is fucking killing me. And I like I know Belle Powley's British, too. So I'm like, I don't know. I feel like something's not working here. <laughs> okay, you guys got to look her up on Wikipedia. She's got a really funny... I don't it, know. Maybe it's It looks maybe like she's, like, going to sneeze or, like, sleepy. Yeah, she's, like, concentrating really hard to hold a sneeze. <laughs> it's a bad photo. <laughs> I like her though. Another star on the rise. Uh, oh, and she's on the morning show. Oh yeah, never seen with that. our fellow nominee Steve Carell. That's right. That'd probably be a great choice. Uh, like that show for this award, this award ceremony. Doesn't isn't Mark Duplass oh, yeah. on that show too? Mark Duplass is yeah, yeah he's got right like there, a, right under Billy Crudup. Wow, how am I not watching this show? There is, uh, there are so many people. They spent this. all the money. They got to get people to watch. Is that that's and Apple, then Ted right? Lasso's the one. Yeah, and then that's the, and then that's the hit. Go figure. It's funny. All right, one more. Almost done here. Uh, Chris yeah. and Stewart for Underwater. Do you guys know what this is? <laughs> this is the one where they had to delay it. Because of uh, T.J. Miller, 
T.J. Miller. Got delayed two years. Uh, it's basically a, mo- a movie about a bunch of people on a like a base at the bottom of the ocean, uh, and then the base is like flooding and under attack by some sort of sea dwelling creatures, and it's got a big twist at the end that's unsatisfying. You guys want me to to spoil it? Yeah, it's do Cthulhu it. and his minions, but like there's so little in the movie that like adds to the mythology of Cthulhu which just kind of seems like it's thrown in there at the last minute and he gets killed by an explosion which seems very anticlimactic it's like basically having Satan show up at the end of your movie and then just like <laughs> shooting him and then he's dead and that's it Yeah, that's really disappointing because I have been I think John and I have both have been like where are our Cthulhu movies why aren't we getting more cosmic they're, horror they're, they're just too hard to translate I really think the only one that would really work is at the mountains of madness and that's doomed um I think you could maybe make a movie called Cthulhu but they're just like they're too abstract and too avant-garde they're just weird crazy stories but there's some cool monsters but Kristen Stewart my problem with uh this I mean she's she's great I love Kristen Stewart uh, I heard a funny thing the other day that's like, you know, we should be thankful that Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson, like, their careers succeeded because they're keeping the indie uh, genre alive <laughs> by working in indie movies as well as big budget movies. Um, but in this, she's good for the most part. But, like, also, I just, I can't buy Kristen Stewart as some sort of uh, badass working on, like, this underground base. It just... I don't know. Most of the people like see like, actually, T.J. Miller's not right in this movie either. Like, this should be. These aren't the kind of people I imagined working in this field. And I feel like the thing as an actor, you have to convince me you're this person and you do this job. And just seeing you know, Kristen Stewart all like frail and doe-eyed working at this badass like science water base, it feels weird. Yeah. Should have got Mackenzie Davis for that. That would, yeah, would work better. Uh, but it wouldn't have made the movie any better. It was it had some moments. It was, it was whatever. Uh, it was on HBO Max. So that was no loss. Uh, and I think the awards got to go to Glenn Close, you guys. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we we got to put it in your hands because we did not see any of these movies. Not a one. Sorry about yep. that. I, yeah, I mean, I just, I just didn't see that many movies this year. Cause I saw movies specifically no for open. this podcast. Oh, yeah, you're the only one willing to put in that <laughs> yeah, sort of effort. I appreciate that. The big category, you guys. The biggest one of the night. Most mildly pleasing film. And the nominees are. The Old Guard, Onward, Sonic the Hedgehog, Tenet, and Wonder Woman 1984. Sean, tell me about The Old Guard. I only watched five minutes and never finished it. So, Netflix put out two big deal action movies last year. Uh, One was Extraction with Chris Hemsworth, which... uh, took the world by storm mainly because there is one very long uh quote-unquote uh unbroken take uh action sequence which you know we all know at this point 
that these are done with digital effects to stitch together multiple takes to make it feel like one. Uh, but that actually does not really take away from the craziness that is the achievement that is that scene in that movie because they did things like strap the director to the hood of a car and drive and shoot and crash that car. Um, so that's pretty incredible. Wait, for this movie? Uh, otherwise, no, that's uh, Extraction. Oh, Extraction. Otherwise, wait, did, though, wait, wait, wait. That... So they, like, Mad Max style put the director on the car? So they strapped Pretty much. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Uh, so I think Extraction, more worthwhile for that behind-the-scenes featurette about how that scene was made. And then you can go watch that 15-minute scene on YouTube, okay. and it's cool. So The Old Guard is the one I nominated because it is a low-key superhero movie uh, based on a comic book that no one's ever heard of and no one's ever read about a group of, let's say, six immortal mercenaries i don't remember who they all are um the important thing is that the main one is charlize theron uh, and the new one who's just joining the team is kiki lane who uh you will know as the lady from if beale street could talk yeah uh she is uh she she definitely like bulked up for this role uh, as a tough soldier lady uh and a lot of people are really excited about this movie. Um, you know, two of the main characters are are gay men, and I know a lot of people are, were like cool with that uh, level of representation, where they're basically like, "Hey, when you're immortal, like everybody's having sex with everybody." But these two guys are super in love with each other and been committed to each other this whole time, and it's like true love, and like that's fine. But the rest of this movie is about how these people are miserable. And it's just, it bums me out. <laughs> you would think like, oh, you, you will never die. You can do whatever you want. You have infinite time to learn and do everything. It would be exciting. Uh, but it's not just these uh, old people who are like exhausted and sad. Kiki Lane's character, like, instantly is miserable because she's immortal. Because um, she uh, is, like, on a mission in Afghanistan with the military and supposedly dies. And she, like, wakes up in a body bag and she come, gets out and she's okay. But, like, all her fellow soldiers are like, fuck this. This is so fucking weird. I fucking hate her now because she's, like, immortal. This fucking bitch. I hate her so goddamn much. It's really weird. Uh, no one seems excited that she's okay or happy for her. They're just like instantly uh, exile her, and things just get weirder and sadder. It's just like a, a whole movie about being miserable. Uh, later on, they find out that like one member of their group was like locked in an Iron Maiden that was dropped in the ocean, and so they had like that person had been drowning, you know, and like drowning, dying, and then reviving like eternally for like. A thousand years or something ridiculous like that which like drives them insane it's just it's so miserable uh and it, it's like i was talking about with the boys where it's like this you can make these edgelord type stories <laughs> with superhero concept but i don't get why you want to it's just it's just a bummer um but, you know, uh, Charlize Theron is, is good in action movies, and I don't know why we don't have more of them with her. Uh, so at least we'll get a sequel to this. Would you say this was a star-making role for Matthias Schoenartz as Booker? 
Is that is he like one, is that one of the gay guys? I think so. I just discovered who he is this year from this movie, and he was mostly in like foreign movies. But I see like coming up, he's in the new Terrence Malick Jesus movie. You guys hear about that? It's making a, making a Jesus movie. Mark Rylance is Satan. Um, Matthias Schoenarts is Saint Peter. But I also Do see you think they're going to shoot him with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> But I see Matthias Schoenarts is also an untitled David O. Russell film. <laughs> oh, no. Did you actually look at the cast of this thing, Sean? No, I just saw it on uh, Bell Pally's page. Maybe this is a different untitled one, because I don't see it on this one. <laughs> How many fucking untitled David O. Russell movies do we have coming out? I thought everyone's like, he's a dick. That's okay in Hollywood. Okay. This must be the one, then. God, it's also got... <laughs> Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, John David Washington, Rami Malek, Zoe Saldana, Robert De Niro, Mike Myers, Timothy Oliphant, Michael McDonald's Shannon, as I'm going to call him now, Chris Rock, <laughs> Anya Taylor-Joy, Andrew Risborough, Jesus Christ. Oh, maybe I was looking at on Anya Taylor-Joy's Wicked Oh, you were. I, I actually said Bell Pally. You were yeah. right. That's what you said. Um, let's go onward. Uh, so Onward was a Pixar movie that came out in theaters, I think it was right before the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was perfectly fine. I don't know. It hits all the kind of familiar beats of a Pixar movie. Like, it takes place in a, like, a reimagined world. In, in this case, it's just like our world, but fantasy creatures inhabit it instead of humans. And uh, it's about two brothers that go on a adventure to find their dad who disappeared or got cast under some wizard spell or something. I can't really remember it. The the main point <laughs> he is he just died, right? Wasn't he just sick and just died? I guess, yeah. But there's like a spell to bring him back for some reason. So, something like that. It's just it it. You know, it really pales in comparison to Soul, which also came out this year, which was a lot more uh, just deeper, more textured, uh, thematically rich than this movie, which was perfectly fine and charming. But uh, I don't know, kind of forgettable. So I watched this, too. I agree with you. You know, it's funny. The first time I tried to watch Onward, I turned it off after five minutes. That's the first two movies on this list I turned off after five minutes. Because I hated how it looked. I was like, ew, gross. I don't like how this looks. But then I gave it another shot, like, I think in November. And I sat through the whole thing. And I liked it fine. Um, but yeah, it just doesn't feel that, like, special, like a Pixar movie should. Like, I watched Soul, I'm like, whoa, only Pixar could make this movie. I watched Onward, I'm like, anybody could make this movie. Yeah. It doesn't feel I, unique. I wish I could remember where i read it uh but someone pointed out what's weird about onward setting is the it feels like it's our world but with fantasy things mm-hmm. and usually pixar is good at world building in that it would be like th- they would show what a actual world that was fully built with fantasy things in going into the modern day would be like 
as opposed to just yeah. like making direct analogs yeah. like like, like monster zinc kind of like here's their monster society and how it's built up now right because doing a fantasy world that's also just our modern world is also the concept of bright everybody's favorite <laughs> <laughs> no i totally agree with that this just feels like our world but with like if there was like some unicorns and stuff yeah. Um, or like it just feels like to me also like a not as good Zootopia like I don't know <laughs> um, yeah well and and Zootopia is is like that was a, a perfect example of they actually did like the the world building for how this crazy society would work and be customized to all these weird animals living together in a city yeah I do like Centaur Cop though fun character <laughs> Yeah. Colin, do you like Chris Pratt in this? Uh, yeah, he's 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 fine. I think yeah, he's fine. I feel like I am starting to get the 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 wear and tear that everybody else is getting. I don't know if I'm uh, like Chris Pratt should be canceled. I don't know if I'm on that side of it yet, but I'm definitely like I could go without seeing him for a little while. <laughs> Yeah, I, certain, about I certainly him. don't get excited about him in a movie, <laughs> even if it's. It's kind of like when I found out, like, oh, they're making Detective Pikachu. Who's Detective Pikachu? Ryan Reynolds. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, like okay, he'll, he'll peek. You he can do it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Centaur Cop is Mel Rodriguez. I'm always looking forward to seeing more of him. Mm-hmm. He, he's the. He was in like Better Call Saul and Last Man. Oh, well, he's funny. He's good in Onward. Um, better than Chris Pratt, but no one's better than Jean Ralphio as Sonic the Hedgehog. More Sonic, huh? More Sonic. <laughs> you guys can't get enough of my Sonic chat. Sonic uh, flosses, and by which I mean the dance. Um, he probably also flosses. He's got off with his nasty human teeth. Yeah. Do you know the only reason there's in, like anything happens is in this movie is because Sonic is upset and then he runs super fast uh, on a baseball field and it creates like some sort of uh, seismic activity and that's how the government investigates. Oh, so it's basically Forrest Gump. He gets upset and just goes for a run. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Um, he gets upset. He goes for a run. It brings national attention to him. That happens in Forrest Gump. You're saying it happens in Sonic Hedgehog. It's the same movie. I would love to see that video essay about how it's the same movie. Uh, but I think uh, Ben Schwartz is pretty funny in this movie. I think he's pretty. He has a pretty good job for uh, a character that should be insufferable, but is really isn't. Is fine. Um, a lot of fine things. James Marsden, totally fine guy. He's so he's fine. Jim Carrey. Okay, I've been fine. racking my brain. I can't Google it. <laughs> what is the other movie that James Marsden did where he has to act with CG Hop. animals? I know there is one. <laughs> Hop. What the fuck was Hop? It's the, him and the Easter Bunny. It's Russell Brand. <laughs> they jam with the Blind Boys of Alabama. That's the only thing I know that happens in that movie. <laughs> <sighs> Didn't they play at our school or something? <laughs> that seems too big. Like a yeah. junior high? Didn't we get one of them to come? Blind Boys yeah. of Alabama? Ring any bells? Not, not for me. Okay, I'm just making up, rewriting the timeline. It's <laughs> allowed. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a famous blind blues musician at, at my junior high school. Uh, yeah, so he's okay. There's some cool uh, effects. I like the rings and the sounds they make, because they're the sounds they make in the game. <laughs> 
I like it when it's like the game. It's okay. So let's talk about Tenet because this is not a game. <laughs> this is fucking serious. Colin, have you caved in and watched I've, Tenet I, yet? I've still not seen it. I don't think I'm going to see it uh, before I make my top ten list because it doesn't sound like it would make it. Well, just like Destiny, I d- I don't know. I don't. It feels like it belongs here. It also feels like it could maybe somehow be on my top ten. <laughs> There's just something about this dumbass movie with good ass action that you you just I think you just want to like it. I mean, Tom Cruise certainly did. <laughs> yeah, Tom he loved did. it. <laughs> Please, he's this is definitely good. a movie where, like, the more I hear people like explain to me like what was happening, I'm like, oh, cool. That's a cool <laughs> idea. Like I, I only got like you know twenty percent of that when actually watching the movie because it's so dense and it's so fast. It's very quick paced. It's a long movie, but it didn't feel like a long movie to me. It's weird. It's like a movie that's trimmed out all the fat, but is still like super complicated <laughs> and long. It has no time for characters. You gotta get moving, man. Anything, this plot or action. It's just it's the whole movie. But I love the idea of like, okay, we're going to go through the movie and then remember what we just did? Now we're going backwards through our own movie. <laughs> remember? You, you think you're starting to understand the rules? No, no, no. We're going to introduce a weird machine and change all well, the I want to talk about the end, but I feel like it's a spoiler. It's so confusing. And, and for some reason, I have no uh, compulsion to look up explainers. I... I, I was so flabbergasted by it. I'm just like, okay, that happened. I think I can... And I'm, I'm a guy who watched Memento and for the first time and then watched the linear edit of Memento that's an Easter egg on the DVD immediately after the same night because <laughs> I needed to understand everything about it. And Tenet, I just don't care. Yeah. <sighs> that end blows my mind. That's the point that blows my mind the most. I feel like I can sum it up without spoiling it by saying... It's a scene between Robert Pattinson and John David Washington where Robert Pattinson basically is like, well, goodbye, or should I say hello? <laughs> hello. <laughs> that, that sums up their relationship and the twist about their relationship. It's fucking weird, dude. <laughs> it's so goddamn weird. There's some cool stuff. That, remember how they crash a real plane because it's cheaper to just crash a plane and it drops a bunch of gold? Yeah, I don't know. I, it sure does. I, I am intrigued to see it, just hearing you guys talk about it. Do, do you even know I like think, what the device is the that makes people go backwards? Uh, no. There's like these turnstiles. It's really <laughs> funny. Like you go, you go. It's like a like a a playset you'd get with an action figure, but you go through it. It makes you backwards. <laughs> okay. And it doesn't make any... Fuck you if you think it makes sense. It does, it does not make sense. Alright. Because if you're... When the when you see someone going backwards and they're like... Because they're saying things backwards. But then from their point of view, they can see you going forwards and they can understand what you're saying, which doesn't make sense. Doesn't, why isn't it reversed for... The, I can't. I can't. I'm not going to do it. But it's it's fun. There's a battle. There's a big war sequence where half of the guys fighting are backwards and half of the guys fighting are forwards. 
And I have no idea who they're fighting, but I don't know who the. It's like Kenneth Branagh has a bunch of guys, and I have no idea why they are fighting for him. Because his goal in the movie is like super self-centered. He's, I'm going to spoil that. His goal in the movie is his his heart is broken, and so he's going to use a time paradox to eliminate existence from it existing. Mm. He's going to kill everyone and everything that ever was and ever will be. What kind of... How do you recruit a henchman for that plan? I don't know. Now, I don't want to go. I don't want to go full into this, but we're <laughs> that's yeah, you're right. That's that's my understanding we're only of it. Three that's hours into this podcast. So, did Kenneth Branagh get the technology because he gave it to himself in the past by going backwards? I because he didn't. He did. He put the gold there that he found when he was back in no Cold so War. I times. think my I think my understanding is that just comes from the ambiguous people in the future, in the same way that uh, fucking. Uh, Cooper interacting with the bookshelf uh, is is not doesn't mean that he's all the future people. It just means he was guided by the future okay. people in Interstellar. The same thing here. There's future people. I love it when future people uh-huh. just kind of leave like clues around the world for some reason. <laughs> it's weird. In 1917, they skipped the part where they had future people guiding Harry Styles to safety. Y- you mean Dunkirk? Dunkirk, damn it! That <laughs> was so almost funny. a good it's joke. So funny, I didn't, I didn't feel. I was like, Sean's right. It's called 1917. Uh, oh, it was almost a good joke. It's, it's what they wanted you to think. <laughs> just Fix like, just like you wanted me Please. to think it was 1984 and Wonder Woman. Yeah, we just talked about this one a yeah, lot. Yeah, Colin, uh, I like Colin to hear was your take. on that. Oh, I think I agreed with everything you guys said. <laughs> yeah, it was fine, but it was also a mess. <laughs> Uh, it's it's entertaining enough I think my biggest thing is like it's just not that fun to watch a movie like this at home on a small screen (laughs) like the thing about blockbusters is they're usually pretty mediocre but at least you can have a good time going to the movies with your friends and eating a big bucket of popcorn and watching shit blow up but like yeah. actually just spending a, a large chunk of your time at home watching one is just like yeah it's a, it's all right really hard to watch this movie without pulling out your phone at least a couple times yeah <laughs> it's too long it's yeah. too it's long i wonder if there will be more movies that take the um once upon a time in Hollywood approach and just re-edit themselves to be mini series, or if, uh, or if that's just a Quentin Tarantino. Well, thing. I mean, they haven't even done that for that yet, have they? For Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, oh really? I just assumed that what well, that, they said. They so said they were going to do it, but it hasn't happened yet. Uh, it happened for uh, Hateful Eight. You can watch it like that okay. on Netflix. But I don't think anyone's actually made done the work yet. I'm still waiting for somebody to take the It movies and make them like make the second one better by like breaking it up into a miniseries. Yeah, def- that was definitely a mildly pleased nominee, wasn't it? <laughs> well, we got to pick a winner, guys. Uh, well, I can't decide if Tenet is the, like the greatest movie or if it's just the dumbest movie ever made. <laughs> so that puts it's a definitely a front runner here. 
Wonder Woman also feels like a good choice. Mm. I feel like the more we talk about, the more we talk about things we don't like, and I'm I'm getting worried that I don't. I'm convincing okay. myself I don't like just it anymore. Remember how fun the montage. Okay, the opening Olympic scene. Some people like it. Some people hate it. I love that. Even if I think we all liked it, but also the montage after that of the '80s and the mall cool. heist. It's so fun. I also liked Pedro Pascal and Kristen Wiig in this movie. I like them both. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I almost put Kristen Wiig up for the uh, actress like she's category. Too good. <laughs> too good as a cheetah. I kind of wanna. Apex I kind of wanna almost not pick Tenet so that I still am giving you some wiggle room and maybe you'll feel less embarrassed to put it on your list. It's, it's definitely a contender. Um. I'll tell you this though, I haven't actually seen Onward, and if we give it to this, I will never see Onward. Oh, you're saying this is preventing you from seeing it? <laughs> yeah, it would. Well, please, weren't supposed to be like he was good. <laughs> I, well, the thing is, I only have so much time before I have to do my top you, ten you list, and if I know, oh, it's like definitely. But you don't think you'll ever see it like as a Pixar? Like I gotta watch all the Pixar oh, movies. Probably, but I haven't seen Monsters University yet either. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I know what you mean. I haven't seen yeah, Cars two and three, and not Cars not it's not getting any more appealing as the years go by. <laughs> I don't know what movie would make me be like, well, I guess I should finally watch those. Flair uh, the Cable Guy like really dials it in and delivers an amazing performance in something. We have to go back and reevaluate his career. Uh, who the fuck is gonna win this award? I feel like it should be Wonder Woman. Okay, let's give it to Wonder Woman. Yeah. Wonder Woman! Bringing it back. 1984. I feel like Chris Pine has definitely been in the best film, mildly pleasing film, winner before. (laughs) Probably. I'm sure Star Trek has won this before. Yeah. I feel like Star Trek Into Darkness must have won one of the earlier (laughs) mildly pleased awards. I gotta look up, see what all the past winners were. While John does that for his own benefit, I will let you listeners go because this has been a long podcast. We all we all started wearing suits, but now we're stripped down to just our underwear. It got so hot and heavy on this one, Um, but. Uh, we hope you had a good time listening to us reflect on some of the bright spots uh, on in this last year. Um, we're going to look at some uh, even brighter spots uh, next week when we're going to talk about our top 10 uh, movies of the year. It's a collective list we put together. That's fun. Uh, I say next week, I don't, I'm not guaranteeing it's going to be out seven days from this, but you know, in the future you'll hear that podcast. And then we'll do... Uh, our anticipated movies and uh and then who knows we'll come back with the pick at some point so uh thank you so much for listening you can find those things at mildlyplease.com or by searching mildly please on itunes and we'll speak to you next time no one's around to judge me i can see clearly when you're